Hello, Rupert. Welcome. Glad we Thanks. finally got you on here. Made it happen. Thanks for having me. I Thanks can't for... believe this is happening right now. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. It's all your wildest dreams are coming true. Yeah, you've got the mics screwed to the table, so yeah. we're you good made to it. Go. You made it here. So cheers. You found the house that's still not on Google Thank Maps. <laughs> to a uh, free and independent Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I could be there right now. You could. Yeah, I had a friend that lives there. Do you actually? You know somebody? Yeah, yeah. No, I know people all over the world that want me to come, but things lately you can't. I've I've given up invites to places all over America and Ireland. Italy got blasted with COVID. That I was supposed to go in May, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to go for all of August. To That's Italy. what the, the goal was, and then I got wiped out. And people keep trying to get me to come back to England. Oh, there's like dozens of people there that would <laughs> be glad to see me there and not in trouble. Just be able to actually enjoy it. So how much do you travel normally? Well, I uh, got the bad wanderlust. Mm-hmm. I've always had it. I buckled down for college and then I worked corporately for like five years and doing videos. And I'm a, I'm a hotel guy hospitality guy and uh what did what did you ask me <laughs> no it's uh with the uh with the <laughs> traveling i mean you're oh the traveling thing yeah yeah when i can when mm-hmm. i can open the throttle i'll just go any i got i got sat in a section of a plane once that was like mommy central mm-hmm. i was just surrounded by kids and i had to just surrender to it kids are the fucking worst on a plane yeah. It should be illegal to bring children on a plane. I have this idea for uh, like a party plane. Uh, no okay. seat. They've been talking about having no seats for a long time. So if I'm they're sorry, willing no, to go no there, no seats, yeah, like Where straps. They just hang on to the straps and just. You mean like just throughout the plane? There's no seats at all. Well, yeah, the party plane. You just kind of hang on, or or maybe there's seating, but it's it's minimal. And there's drinks. There's drink carts and. You can smoke. There's fire extinguishers and people monitoring this and all that. I just think it'd be a great idea to eliminate the parts about flying that suck and amplify the parts of it that are awesome. Because if you're drunk walking around a plane that's decked out like a nightclub, you're going to have moments where you're just like, I can't believe this is happening right now. I'm miles in the sky just plastered. Why not? It could be fun. I can do the party plane. I think that it's kids are the biggest thing. I can't do fucking kids, man. I have I have such a low tolerance for like screaming children. It's yeah, very, very I low. did. It's like you want to talk about that. It's it's hard being uh, an adult mm-hmm. without children because you you don't have this badge of validation that's attached to that, and it's um, but I, you know humanity's huge. I fucking hate that though. I I hate. Well, just when go, people it, say shit like, well, when you have kids, you'll understand. Like, I'm a fucking idiot or something, you right, know? Right. Like, when they're like, oh, when you have kids, you understand. I was like, when I have kids, they're not going to throw a fucking fit in a restaurant. To I be, can tell you that. To be... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. To be that that helplessly devoted to another person like that is frightening. It is an enemy of freedom, I think. <laughs> kids are sort of an enemy of your health and your freedom and your time on Earth because they end up... You end up... I mean, I, I'm glad that I had, again, sh- shout-outs to parents yeah. right off the bat here. but No, my parents are great. Yeah, my parents have 
they've been stuck through me through all sorts of crazy things now. So, yeah, yeah, shouts out to them. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Do you ever want kids? I mean, I've always there's always been a part of me. I am a kid. Mm-hmm. Kids always spot me. Yeah, especially when I don't want to be spotted, but they, they can tell that I'm not in it. I'm not one because <laughs> I made a decision when I was a little kid to not forget what it was like to be a little kid because I could see from my perspective being like five or six that adults had forgotten. Yeah. And they see it seemed like such a long time ago to them. And I was like, why? Why'd they forget? I don't want to forget. Yeah. So dogs pick up on that with me and and little kids like I was at a wake and this little girl ran up to me and started grabbed my hands and started shaking my arms and then everybody's looking at me like what are you doing <laughs> and I'm like ah and you don't want to you can't stand there in a suit and explain well actually I'm very immature and kids pick up on that you just gotta tell them just be like oh you fucking sold me out you little bastard <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to be pretending to be an adult here no, I mean, I, I think that's that's absolutely true. There's but that's so why I don't want one because yeah. I don't need I don't need that. Ref- I, I would look at it from an artistic or strange psychological standpoint because you don't want to screw them up. That's true. You, you know, don't you don't want you don't want to like because it'll all be your fault. Everybody will blame you for it. I I like when a kid starts screaming at a restaurant. I don't look at the fucking kid. I look at the parents. Like you've done this to us. I had a friend, and I've literally <laughs> seen her trip. A trip. Uh, this kid was running around like a hall. We were in a Hallmark or something. She's looking at birthday cards, and this kid goes by, and she just nonchalantly just goes boop. Kid goes across the floor. Because yeah, what the fuck are they gonna do? Tell your parents, oh, this person tripped me. And be like, well, kids, were running. Shit. Yeah, like, oh, were sorry. Running through he must have tripped. Maybe if your kid wasn't <laughs> running around like an asshole, it wouldn't have happened. Exactly. <laughs> she was completely taking advantage of the defense there that yeah. the kid was unattended. Dude, it's the worst, man. And as you get to be older, too, I mean, there's there's all kinds of shit you can't do anymore. Like, we go to Target. Have fun. Right, we go to Target, and I like I like to go to the toy aisle. Like, look at all the yeah, cool shit that, like, they have now. But my wife has to go with me. And I tell her, I'm like, you can't leave me. She's like, why? Because like, if you're with me, we could feasibly be shopping for a child. If I'm by myself, I'm the fucking 30-year-old man walking around the toy aisle at Target. You are the only other Context adult matters. male that I've... <laughs> I noticed one time I was in Charlottesville... I was on the downtown mall, and I was standing on the corner of a building there, like the bank. I guess I was up against the wall. And I noticed a distinct sense from more than a couple little clicks of people that had congregated and left while I was standing there that I was weird. Yeah. Because I was a white guy just standing there looking. Right. You're sitting there like, fuck, I'm a creep. Well, then, (laughs) I can't remember. Honestly, this is bad, man. (laughs) Well, I felt like one because of the way I was being treated. I wasn't being creepy. I'm just standing there. Where's the creepy guy? These guys are looking at. And then you're like, "Fuck, it's it's me." me. (laughs) So I noticed that there was this release and the tension between those people and me. It's sort of an unspoken tension. When I can't remember who it was, but I was meeting a female, and when she walked up to me and I hugged her. Yeah, all the out. energy left, and I was just like, "This, that's bad," and that's some bullshit white guy shit to complain about. It is, but it I is. don't like the. But we have white guys have a bad history of doing all sorts of shit. Yeah, no, we are we almost exclusively have like rape pretty much nailed down. Ugh. And that's that's and sort of we sort of own that in a lot of ways. We have to get some more of this before we go down <laughs> one of those rabbit holes because I get. 
Uh, I saw a thread on Facebook. I guess we're going down the rabbit hole. I saw a thread on Facebook get, the other day that, that get you some fucking M and M's and I'll get I'll get, get to them. Yeah, we don't normally have M and M's, by the way, guys. This Can, is a, are they in the shot? Yeah, I think so. Maybe really we'll see. see. A lot of M and M's. We got a, a shit ton of M and M's when I first started talking to Rupert uh, on Facebook. <laughs> he <laughs> made a joke and he was like, "I need four thousand orange M and M's." I think I responded like, "You'll get twelve hundred and you'll get whatever color you get." As a counter negotiation, and I'll be damned if there isn't twelve hundred M and M's sitting right on, the, <laughs> right on the table in front of me. This so, is this is nice. That's good stuff. You know, it's the little touches. We're a very low budget operation, but we can make M and M's happen. I don't mean to chew in the mic. I told myself I wouldn't do this. No, you're fine. Fuck it, do it. You can always. Send it. Uh, I'm not gonna. Another fucking, day, another beer. I'm not gonna edit it out. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't do that. I was thinking on the way over here, I was like, what are some of the things? Because Jerry Seinfeld's a great example. Mm-hmm. Cereal's not a horrible thing to eat on camera. He would do it a lot because it's not a, it, there's not a lot of, there's no cutting or any of the other weird things associated with eating. Right. And certain, th- like, you could probably eat yogurt, something soup, something easy like that. But if you're going to town on something, you have to slow your roll while you're doing it. Yeah, especially on camera. If you, especially if you chew like weird. if you chew like a horse, which some people do. I think I naturally have bad manners. I just not have to, good manners drilled into me. Self conscious. Not only I'm going to be sitting here waiting on you to start on those MMs just to see, but yeah, yeah, make you nice and self conscious about them. No, it's um, it's crazy, man. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. People forget how to have fun. Um, I'm one of the only yeah. people in my office that that I think has fun ever. Um, I work with like a really great group of people, but um, we started doing the whole COVID thing, and we have a we have a hand sanitizer dispenser up front. As long as you put your hands under, and uh, sanitizer comes out. So I, within like a day, had put a pigeon on there. So when people put their <laughs> hand under. It looks like a pigeon shitting in their hands. Half people didn't even realize it, and half people didn't understand it. They're like, "What is this bird here for?" And I'm like, "Come on, man, you're not that far gone." And then. Uh, they put, up, they put up a bunch of, like, what are supposed to be, like, motivational, like, COVID posters. Like, oh, wash your hands, like, six feet, you know, apart and whatever. So I made, of course, fake ones and integrated with them along with the real ones. Would you, like, take all the design elements and copy them oh, over? Yeah. I mean, it's basically just, like, clip art and, like, Word documents. That's how I spent my, my day that day. <laughs> and then I we have little tape lines that tell people which direction they're allowed to walk in the hallway. Oh, so I made lines me? that they were about two or three feet apart and then i put lava written out in tape so people had to jump over it when they came by and i started making a tally of who didn't jump over the lava it was unsurprising i want your job it was fun i want this lava good, job that sounds time. awesome i had uh and then i sent the results out in a pie chart to the entire organization like two <laughs> weeks afterwards how many people would jump the lava and how many people hadn't i think that would that's fu- <laughs> i'm not gonna say that that's not funny because that is that is top tier office humor but i think after about the third or fourth time that you did something like that i would be like this oh, guy that guy again it happens i uh i wear a bandana to work i don't wear like a regular mask it's not that i have anything against the mask or you that think i believe you're on it. duck dynasty or something no so what's interesting is like i wore it one day because i didn't have a mask when they, this whole thing first started and then it pissed somebody off and so i of course have never stopped wearing it because it annoys somebody, and they point out to me all the time that it doesn't actually stop anything. And you uh, mean you you didn't start wearing a bandana like 
Johnny Lawrence from Karate Kid. You started wearing a bandana over your face. I'm over here thinking you're right. like having a bonsai moment. No, 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 not like a, not like a out of choice or just because I think it looks really good. Although it does look good. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's a good look. I've got a picture. I took one when my haircut was fresh, and I still had the bandana. All right, since we're talking about this, I may have actually snagged uh, an appropriate picture to show you as well, because I used to have a shock of blonde hair there you go. on top of my head. See, you get to have one of those cool haircuts it's that guys look, like man. me can't have. Do you not Do you not grow hair naturally? Man. I'm just curious. I'm not. Yeah, I, I do, it, but. I don't want to make it weird. I do, but it makes me look like Ron Howard. Fair enough. Uh, I did grow the... T- my mom said it made... <laughs> it said... Well, first she told me that it made me look like I was sick. Because some... When a white guy shaves his head, he just looks like he's got cancer. <laughs> Montel Williams shaves his head. He looks awesome. Yeah. I'm and, stealing uh, somebody's joke there, I think. But it's true. Like, it just does... I, but I do remember the first day after I started shaving my head mm-hmm. that... People on the sidewalk, for as far as I could see, just got out of the way before I got anywhere near them. And I was like, I like I like this. Yeah. Short showers, people get out of my way. Yeah. Ching. No, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. I uh, If I wear the bandana and go out, especially with the fresh haircut and the sunglasses, I get a wide berth. I don't think I've ever gotten out of anyone's way, ever. You are also... Uh, it's kind of hard to tell from the camera angle, like when I was reviewing the <laughs> podcast before I came on, but you're one of these big triangular... <laughs> bastards that you do not want anywhere near your center of gravity because you're just gonna get <laughs> run up a tree or something like i don't know guys your size used to really intimidate me i'd really learn better people skills well i'm not you know i i grew probably three or four inches after high school so uh-huh. when i was in high school i was not adult sized yeah the entire time yeah so yeah, I, I hadn't gotten to that point yet. So, yeah, and then just being taught not to put hands on people. Yeah. We were taught not to do that. And I would let horrible things happen to me because I knew if it went to a fight crossing that line, yeah, it's bad. it just looks bad. So things would happen, and I would just kind of, yeah, you kind of yeah. got to, yeah, just because you want to be able to walk away from it and say, well, I didn't punch him in the face. Yeah. No, it's do that for, you do that for your mom, yeah, so that she can look at other parents in the head, in the face, and say he got punched in the head and didn't he didn't punch, punch back? Kid. Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. Um, and you talk about like bullying and stuff in schools now It's fucking nuts. Like I, I feel like talk I was like bullying in school. Oh, oh my god, yeah, the kids kill crazy. themselves, which is insane. Because I wasn't in school all that long. I'm only thirty. Right. And so I was, I graduated high school in 2009. Mm -hmm. And so I was in like elementary and middle school. I think I was around like 2012, 2013, 14, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember any of that fucking shit happening. Like, I'm not going to say that every single person in our school got along because they definitely didn't. But like, when you talk about these, these targeted like harassments of kids online and like people. Like kicking the shit out of kids, like I just didn't fucking happen where I was at. Well, there's a lot less graffiti on the bathroom wall now because everybody yeah. gets it out online. You don't see, you really don't see it in bathrooms as hardcore as you used to. When I, like when I was a kid, that was it was populated. The whole wall was usually, especially if it was an older place. Yeah. But they, I just feel like there's less of that now because people get it out online, and they, it, I, 
kind of does create a split personality, and I can attest to that too because I've been it called does. by two different names. One of them I had associated with online stuff, and that sort of bled into real life. And it maybe on some subconscious level with people, they're sort of splitting their personalities online. And imp- you ever watch the show Catfish? Oh yeah, fucking love Catfish. Yeah, you gotta love <laughs> Neve on Cat. Shout out it, to Neve on Catfish. And it appeals to like your most like basic human instincts of like wanting to watch a car wreck but not leave your couch at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and it's it's uh. A wide variety of people, and mm-hmm. they're getting. How does it happen, though? You watch these people, and you're like, okay, like you're. It feeds they, into your whoever's on the other end of it that's yanking your chain is fed into some preconceived notion that you have, and you're just following it because it feels good. But these guys pay like thousands of dollars, like a lot of fucking money for. What are you talking about? So you guys will send like people like rent. They'll send them money when they're in jail. They'll yeah. um, send them like multiple thousand dollar loans and stuff like just cash and um, right. It's just cre- for somebody they've never met and they're ultimately never going to meet. Uh, I mean, I guess they don't really think of it that way, but it's it is interesting to me that otherwise that's a hustle, baby. Oh, it that's is. what I mean, you, that's a, hu- it's man, a game that's a is hustle. all this time. If you got. If you've got what someone's buying, yeah, that's it. And half like because I've I've actually re- I wrote an article about what it's like to write for legal sex workers. Mm-hmm. They have need for all sorts of things that people are unaware of. One of them being copy for uh, posts online and stuff. They have a, a certain amount of participation they have to do on certain message boards. There's all this stuff they have to keep up with on Twitter, and sometimes they'll shop it out to somebody like me. So I got to look behind the scenes of what it's like to be one of these girls. Like a cam girl or something? No, straight up prostitutes. Oh, okay. I mean, I hate to use that word, but it's what it is. They they work I mean, they work on a ranch. Mm-hmm. They're very interesting people. I'm sorry, a ranch? You know, like the bunny ranch. Right, right, but no, you're talking about like, is it like a? It's like that. It's like a bunny ranch. See, they literally people <laughs> just people just show up and like have sex with them there, or is that just? Like but see, they... that's that's the point. Is that no? It's not like that at all. Uh-huh. There, there's guys who need a long go back and forth online before they'll hook up. Mm-hmm. There's some guys that are looking for certain stuff, and it's up to the girl to assess how much money they have how specific a thing it is that they're asking for how far it goes and how how much she's willing to you know come in high do a little negotiation and some of these girls can get multiple tens of thousands of dollars out of men for whatever it is that they whatever it is that they're into Mm -hmm. and it just depends on whether or not you got what they're buying and sometimes it's a smart idea to pass something off to another girl and hopefully she makes it a party because they'll they'll pool resources if somebody wants multiple people in on a party. Then they'll just negotiate, well, I'll cut you in on this much and we'll do it. And yeah, and they just hash it all out. It takes a while. It's not like guy show. It's not even street deals don't go down like that. It's not yeah. just may, maybe on some real scuzzy level, but not on the not on the high dollar level. See, I don't it's kind of fascinating to listen to that sort of stuff because, you know, I was telling Jamie, I was only halfway joking. Like, number one, I could never hire a prostitute. Yeah. And number two, nobody would ever sell me drugs. I think, I, I think I'd literally walk up to him and be like, hello, I'd like, to, I'd like to buy some cocaine, please. Yeah. I'd like to pay $20 worth of cocaine. 
It'd be like, fuck off, man. This isn't. It my scares friend. me even this here because I know, day. I know you're. We talked about your background earlier in law enforcement, and yeah, just hearing you say that out loud is fr- is kind of frightening. I'm not a drug dealer. I've never been a drug <laughs> dealer, but uh, yeah, that's scary, dude. Yeah, I don't it's, think anybody's gonna sell you. You're gonna yeah. have to get somebody to do that for you. Right. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get somebody who will who will actually like. I don't know. I guess vouch for me or something. I don't know, it's one of those things where like now. As an adult, like, I kind of wish I, like, smoked pot when I was younger because the reality of it is, is, like, now I know that there wouldn't have been any real consequences from it. But at the time, you're, like, told, well, if you start doing this kind of stuff, you're never going to have a future, you're never going to get a job, you're going to end up in jail, you know, all that stuff. And I think there's such a stigma against it that people... Um, well, that is true for some people, though. Yeah, I think it's true. Yeah, there's there's some people. But I mean, that's true of people for alcohol, too. I mean, there's some people who just can't... Far worse. ...fucking get over themselves. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah. You don't want to. Because I've been, I've been doing a lot of exercise lately. Yeah. So once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's good to have a shot of whiskey and some hot sauce every once in a while to kind of hit your gut bacteria, kind of reset things a little bit. Keeps yeah. you healthy. Mm-hmm. I know. You a hot sauce guy? I fucking love whiskey and I will, I'll do hot sauce. I'm, I grow peppers and make hot sauce really mm-hmm. see if i'd fucking known that you could have brought some i considered it but <laughs> we could always do this again we could... i came in i showed up and i brought some peppers some freshly some freshly made peppers for you <laughs> i just i the weird thing is we got a late start this year anybody yeah. growing knows this we got kind of a late start with the weather and it just didn't break broke late plants are slow to get going and yeah. now that it's getting Forget it's now it's a race against the clock, but all my I grow I've grown marijuana mm-hmm. in two places. I grew I helped grow a little bit in the UK, which is no easy feat. Is it legal there? No. Oh, okay, that's it's surprising. not looked down upon right like it is here in some places. I think it's weird we live in a country where people have been buying it out of vending machines for the last couple of decades, and there's other places where they still treat it like it's. Some schedule one scourge that, you know, yeah, that, you know, there's no TV shows about this or movies or, you know, an entire subculture or even its own culture at this point. Like, yeah, that doesn't exist. Yeah. You're not being stupid. These cops showing pictures of themselves with the plants and like the <laughs> few pipes and shit that they found. That, those, are, those are, well, they get bombarded with people yeah. laughing at them. It's like, you're stupid. No, it's crazy, man. I think in the next, in the next like 10 years, it's going to be legal everywhere in the U.S. I think the pressure is just has come to a point at which I think it's it's tipping the scale of like rational person. It's an alien plant. I have had these strange ideas that I think that because if you study all this ancient aliens crap, these mm-hmm. these supposed entities, these Do you believe in aliens? I I mean that's a that's too question. much. Yeah, it's too much to say. That is it fun to talk about? Mm-hmm. Well, you you betcha it is. But uh, do I believe in it? Yeah, to an extent. I believe in aliens. I mean, to an extent, I've had some strange experiences myself. I can't remember where we were going because it, it opens such a big box, doesn't it? I think. I think. Oh, they're geneticists. Yeah, and weed is a. Ge- it's a genetic anomaly. It's one of the only... I think it might be the only plant that you can tell if it's male or female by looking at it. I didn't realize it had genders. 
Yeah, the male plants will usually. Can I say gender in reference to male and female yeah, anymore? I guess. Is that okay? I don't. I mean, we don't need to. <laughs> For the right, purpose of this discussion, we'll we'll use the everybody's little. I it's so <laughs> weird because this time ten years ago, people hadn't really started paying attention in the way that they're paying attention now, and I've yeah. I've been switched on in the same manner politically since I was. Well, we could go into that in a little bit. The the letters that I've written to congressmen and had had letters returned, and then some sort of form letters from the White House from. George Bush Sr. and Bill Clinton. And the Bill Clinton one, I'll I'll show you. It looks like he actually signed it. Because mm-hmm. the, the I, mm-hmm. I think, in Clinton has this anomalous slight smudge in the... And it just it looks like he actually signed it. Well, they have to sign some of them, right? I mean, some Well, they of do, the especially... Well, I was a child, basically, writing yeah. to the president. And they, they look at that... Because Bill Clinton's people were smart about it. They put it in an envelope with a uh, cardboard backing, mm-hmm. and it's never been folded. Because I knew you're going to frame it, probably, or or keep just it. to preserve it. And it's yeah. just it's just speaks to his, the nature of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I wasn't a fan of him when he was in office. Really, mm-hmm. um, I lived in Harlem for a wh- for a while when I lived in New York. I was living. Not far from the Apollo Theater. I knew one of the bouncers there. I used to go talk to him at night. And um, they love Bill Clinton up there. They love... Yeah. uh, Black comedians especially painted Bill Clinton as kind of one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, he's doing... You know, he's getting down and dirty in the White House. You know what I mean? Like, he's... You know, he's got... (laughs) There's this and that going on. And a lot of them painted him like that. And he was just sort of accepted by them. Because he's cool. And the other thing is that people say, I've actually shook his hand before. This is weird. I just now put this together. I shook his hand. Everybody talks about how soft his hands are. Mm-hmm. I've heard multiple people talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> his hands are super conditioned and hmm. soft. But I didn't really notice it either. Did you know beforehand? So you didn't no. Know, you didn't that's know a, that's new it. information. I shook his hand when I was probably 13 or 14. Yeah, I think it's it's weird because we have these... We have these kind of rose-colored glasses versions of presidents. You know, it's like everybody's like, "Oh, this is a cool thing." It it's is a I mean, neat. It's, it's a neat. Uh, it's just an if you just consider it on its own without how it's the office has been tarnished through the last presidencies. But the idea of it, mm-hmm. it's neat. Yeah, it is. I mean, you do you you read back like through American history when you're reading like a textbook in school or something. You're like, "Fuck, the president of the United States." Like this is a person who. There's like a there's a very strange sort of connotation to that position. You know, it's an elected position, and yet it's somebody with virtually an unchecked amount of power in a lot of ways. They also have a unique viewpoint. Nobody sees what they see. No, you can. Your advisors have their finger on the pulse of mm-hmm. whatever it is that the president has tasked them with. But he he has a unique. I think the first president i remember thinking that about was john f kennedy mm-hmm. because he did have it's just very apparent that he saw things that surprised him mm-hmm. and maybe appalled him um and that's where i cut that it was that issue that i cut my teeth on just questioning reality and having to go back through at that point i was 
not even a teenager. I was mm-hmm. just becoming a teenager when I was really just, I, I basically read all the books that had come out and could tell you chapter and verse about all that. One of my first memories, in fact, I think the first chapter of this book, I'm writing a book. What's it going to be called? I don't know. Probably let an editor pick something out of there. <laughs> I don't know, but it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be about all this stuff, my journey into the rabbit hole, and what I found there, and how I escaped it. JFK is a good starting point, though. One of my first memories is I'm six years old. I'm tugging on my mom's dress, trying to get her attention. We're standing in Dealey Plaza. Mm-hmm. There's an old man that my parents are talking to. I'm a little guy. My brother's an even littler guy, and. I finally get her attention. I'm annoying. I talk a lot. <laughs> it's just when I was a little kid. I had really good linguistic skills young. And I could communicate in a way that most three and four year olds could not with adults. And it was surprising to them to the point that it would upset me that they weren't sticking with the conversation. I'm like, I'm trying to have a, I'm <laughs> it's just like this. I'm trying to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, here it goes on. A, here I go tangent the hell was i telling you kennedy you might have to cut this <laughs> so what's no 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 yeah so i i said to my mom you can't kill the president because mm-hmm. they're talking to this old man and this is the first time i remember just feeling a sense of dread mm-hmm. but the old man heard me say that you mm-hmm. can't shoot the president he was there that day but I th- I, as i remember it seemed like they had run into someone that was there mm-hmm and he looked down at me, and he kind of got mad, and he was—he said, they can't shoot the president. Oh, oh, yes, they can. They did it right over there. And he pointed at the spot across the way, and I remember when he said there, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And I remember just, it was almost like one of those 80s or 90s movies. It was one of those shocker push-in shots where the background seems to get further away but the person gets closer just this dis and i'm six i can't describe that to anybody i didn't even know what happened but it just turned my vision sideways and just it was like what Mm -hmm. so i've just ever since then and then when oliver stone's movie came out i got to interview sean stone Mm -hmm. oliver's son yeah he's in jfk Mm -hmm. he told me about running around on the set of platoon and what it was like to be around the set of JFK and all that. Oliver Stone's cool. uh, episode of Joe Rogan was awesome. Yeah, right. There's some of them I don't watch because it just <laughs> kind of makes me jealous. Yeah, yeah. There's some of them where I'm just like, man, I want to. St- this is this is great. Yeah, this is. I like the the axe over there to kind of remind yeah. me to you know mind my p's and q's <laughs> while I'm in the studio. That's nice. That's a nice touch. Sends a message. <laughs> bullets and pipes oh yeah you got i got a lava lamp too i uh i got the lava lamp and then i got the uh i got the buddha from a street vendor downtown um that's kind of interesting because i was like looking for i had the salt crystal and then yeah i was like i need something else like something about yay big and uh, i was just kind of like wandering around downtown one day and i i saw one of the street vendor tables and i went and started talking to him and then um yeah, I bought him. He's probably he's probably made in like Taiwan or something. I haven't checked the bottom. I don't Were think. Were you talking a, about that? Yeah. The 
bobblehead? Or are you talking about no, the, no, the boodle? The boodle. The boodle. Yeah, yeah. No, Thanos is made in. That's what I was going to ask. I only know. <laughs> I only know. <laughs> I only know Thanos from his color and yeah. from memes. I don't. I'm not a comic book guy. I liked Deadpool. Yeah. I have a couple Deadpool comics and. I like Deadpool and Deadpool 2 was pretty good. I was getting ready to do a review of how anti-child abuse Deadpool 2 was. Mm-hmm. It was just multiple just vicious jabs at at people mm-hmm. for that. And never, I thought it was really great. I've never seen them Deadpool 1 or 2. Yeah, they're they're neat movies. Are they? Yeah. See, I just like I go back and forth about Ronald Reynolds. Like in some movies, I think he's really awesome. In some movies, I think he's just fucking it's not. This is this is his matrix. You know what I mean? This is that's his that's his sort of like he is he entered into a you know the movie makes fun of the fact that Ryan Reynolds is in the movie. Uh huh. And that's been a pet project of his for a long time. And I don't know a lot about this stuff, but I know about this because it's interesting to me. But he's one of these actors like Leonardo DiCaprio when he did Aviator. Yeah. He had been with that from the very beginning, the inception of it. Five rewrites and all. He by the time they went to film, he had been working on it for ten years. Wow, it was a as great I movie. recall, it was a great Absol- movie too. absolutely. They knocked that one out of the park. It's always yeah. so good. I can't watch. I can't watch that scene. The second plane crash where he gets yep. knocked around in there, or where he's sitting in the. Uh, it's weird. What what scenes kind of stick out to you in a movie like that? You know, it's where he's sitting in the. Um, in the movie theater, and like the guy comes to like basically taunt him about the plane not working out and how it's not going to fly and this and the other. And he's like, he had just finished like washing his hands to where like his hands are bleeding and mm-hmm. he's like yelling back at the guy and like having a breakdown. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just a really, I don't know why some scenes are just maybe they're not even intended to be that way, but they kind of stick with you. Howard Hughes doesn't get brought up enough when we start talking about crazy people with money. He should be number one. Howard Hughes is the Tesla of his <laughs> kind of, yeah, and like <laughs> he also his, his stuff didn't really work out as well, but you know, I mean, he just like that's that's the thing though is you've got you've got these people who just think and operate like on a different on a different. Do you know level. who was good at that? And I hate to say it, but just like the ideas he would have and people would go do it was Hitler. He would just say all this stuff and they did it, mm-hmm. and it would almost always like the only stuff that didn't you know didn't work out there's some stuff that didn't work out but some of the bigger stuff that didn't work out only didn't work out because they got stopped but right. the some of the apparatus there is crazy but going going back to the deadpool thing they they pick on the fact that he's a pretty boy and he becomes not you know wade wilson is not such a pretty boy after what happens to him in the movie yeah um Wade Wilson is also a character that appears in not he's not Deadpool in the movie he's still Wade Wilson it's like pre transformation mm-hmm. and Ryan Reynolds played him in that in some X Men movie that was I don't know straight to DVD or where something like that it's it's you know it's a good probably good for people who are seriously into that stuff but I just yeah I don't I don't spend a lot of time on this uh, the epistemology of what I like I don't like going backwards and being like why do I like this. Yeah, you can almost drive yourself crazy. My brother's a big uh, movie and TV guy, and mm-hmm. and I just there are some movies that it you just they're so good sometimes almost by accident, and then there are some movies that are great, but they'll never really receive like the attention they deserve, you know. And it's this idea that you know Marvel, I think, has cracked the the code of making billion dollar movies. 
and they'll never go back. And I think that everybody else is trying to get on that train. And so basically all we're going to get is prepackaged shit movies for the rest of time. Do you watch Red Letter Media? No. Do you know what it is? No. Shout out to Red Letter Media. Uh, and Ginger. <laughs> Jamie uh, shouted out Ginger like 19 times on the podcast. So I, I kept giving him oh, a hard time. Oh, no. Do we want to? <laughs> we can talk about Jamie for a second. Um, he's an incredible fellow. He is. And he's one of my favorite people to hang out with. Him and Amy, too. They're great. Yeah, I hadn't seen Amy in a long time. I hadn't seen Amy in probably 10 years. But they showed me a band, <clears throat> shout out, look what I did. They showed me a band called Look What I Did. They showed me a bunch of other really cool stuff when I first met them. So now we have this adversarial thing about Tom McDonald and Ginger. I find, I'll just lay it on, <laughs> I'll lay it on the line. I can't believe, you guys, I can't believe you're the same two people <laughs> that showed me Look What I Did. And now it's been reduced to like, the best 15-year-old angry me like I'm angry music that you could find at Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that Tom McDonald can't rap, but he can rap in the same way that I can I don't I don't know. It's maybe that's a bad that's a bad analogy, but I'm not saying that it's bad in its form, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of a lot and I don't like what after I started editing video, I realized certain music is good for certain things. Sure. You can ju- you can show a juxtaposition with things like they do in like maybe in the beginning of Deadpool. Yeah. Where they they're playing uh some old song, just mm-hmm. call me angel, something like that. I can't so one of those songs that doesn't go with the explosions and stuff that's happened on the screen. It's kind of tongue in cheek and it's right. sort of become hack at this point. But I I started looking at music and what it's good for. Like, what kind of a video would this music go to? Mm -hmm. And I can't... Like, Tom McDonald's music? That'd be music to hype me up to quit my job at Burger King. (laughs) That's what that'd be good for. Uh, Dumpster diving around Christmas. I could see that helping me get through that. Or if I had a really bad job, like mopping floors in the basement of a convalescent home that was haunted... I could see Tom McDonald getting me through that. But other than that, I don't see the efficacy of that music. And then Ginger, I just closed my... I stopped looking at the makeup and the tattoos and the this and the that. And it's like... I don't listen to that on any other occasion. I don't listen to Cookie Monster. I've gotten into Cookie Monster bands a couple of times, but I don't do the Cookie Monster, and it doesn't matter to me... That you're a girl with makeup and you're pretty. That you're doing that, <laughs> it just bugs me. That yeah. that they get it, and then the the stuff in the background sounds very complicated and well thought through. But that's just to the uninitiated. That sort of music has existed for a long time, and I'm not saying it's easy to pull off. I'm not saying they're not talented for what they're doing, but in the end result, I'm listening to a girl growl and that's the that's the handle of the thing and i'm like i don't want what am i what are we doing are we slaying zombies like are we slaying zombie but then she cuts into that pretty singing stuff and i'm like okay so now we're back at the ball so it's a zombie ball we're we're slaying zombies at the ball every once in a while we got to flare up and roar <laughs> i'm fine with it i hope they make lots of money and that they're happy and 
all that. I'm good with it. I think if you can find yourself a slot, if you can sell a lot of records online, like yeah. I know Jamie and Amy have bought Tom's t-shirts and records, and I think that's great that they're buying physical. It's good to see that people still buy physical copies of stuff. Yeah. People, um, <clears throat> I think with Tom McDonald, you know, one of the things is because I watched like, I watched one of the videos for like two minutes when Jamie, after the podcast was done, he pulled it up and played it. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, it was okay. It was, it was, I mean, it was, it wasn't bad. I, I won't say that it was bad, but like you get the impression that he's kind of just, I mean, it's, it's what's, what's old is new again. I mean, the counterculture sort of mentality and persona is always going to be sort of in demand, you know, and right now talking about, you know, people who are anti like PC and anti, you know, this, that, and the other. I mean, that's, it's sort of, it's not a particularly like inventive message. I mean, it's just sort of, like I said, it, what's old is new again. Could you discount the fact that it's necessary though? And oh, it's no, more I think... so necessary and that that's really the handle of it is that this sort of like, there needs to be a girl that can sound like a crazy warrior person when she screams that's yeah that's cool and that's the handle of it but that's also why i don't like it because i'm supposed to it's i feel it's a little jammed down my throat maybe not (laughs) maybe not by our mutual friends but um it's another one of those things like do you know riff raff Mm -mm. he's a rapper it's it's a lot of it it's about the visual uh-huh. And it, it's uh, video killed the radio star. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it once it became a game of how you look, it sort of changed the game. And some people will get into that, like think a like Kiss, ICP, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, they've got some kind of weird look. Even Tool, whose look doesn't really have as much to do with their sound. Yeah, but even their even the look that they go for with their art and stuff like that sort of complements what they are as a band. Yeah. No, I think there's something to that, to the visual. I think that it's, you know, you get away from the idea of it being about the content and it being, that it becomes about the packaging. Well, I think they were talking about this on another more famous podcast that we mentioned earlier, but they Mm -hmm. were talking about how at one point in recent history, vinyl sales were outselling online stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you can, there's a big difference. Yeah. And it's, the art's big. Mm-hmm. It's a ritual to pull the thing out and put the needle. I think it was when uh, Joe was talking to uh, uh, James Hetfield mm-hmm. from Metallica. He was talking about how his kids were into music. And, and I saw a video online. It was like, people are going back through their VHS tapes and putting up pretty cool stuff from the, like the 80s when home video recorders were coming out. Yeah. There's one of... Uh, these guys take a video camera into a 7-Eleven in South South Orlando mm-hmm. in the middle of the summer, I guess, and, like, the behavior between the people that doesn't exist anymore is very bizarre because the same guys, because of the fame of the video, all got together and went back to that same 7-Eleven, and it's just somehow they made us all goofy. Yeah. We used to be, even in our goofiness, there was still sort of, like, some... dignity to things it seems like dignity is it's it's a luxury item yeah dignity is purchased now you can't have dignity because you might be able to put on a suit and garner a little bit of 
well, what's up with that guy kind of dignity, but not the kind. This was, they were just goofing off in a 7 Eleven, and it wasn't weird because everybody didn't have 15 cell phones right. in the store at all times. Yeah. So it was, it was just kind of weird, and they were smoking cigarettes inside, and the, the lady was doling out the Slurpees from back there. I mean, it was, it was that long ago. It was like in the late 80s. There was another one with this uh, sort of metal kid and his buddy. They would make videos of them talking about their records, which never... They would do promos for records they hadn't made yet, but they were just having fun. They were just... And they, they took a trip to the record store. One of them had the camera, and the other one, he's got long hair he's chewing gum and he's 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 confident but it's just so you can't help but love this kid yeah you just love his his attitude it's just something that's lost and then even in another one of those follow-up videos where they posted it and people are like where is that guy now yeah so they called him on skype got it you know got on, on my got got yeah he had a little setup and i guess he made videos or whatever he went on to actually do do that and he called him up and recorded the call and he doesn't sound it doesn't sound like he followed down that fun route of whoever it was he was when he was like 14. Yeah. And it's super sad. Yeah. Uh even you're even probably too young. Jamie Booth would know what I was talking about. People who we Gen X and I guess the beginning of we could call us Xenials. We're part generation X. Mhm. And part millennial, we know both. And my generation, anybody born in that bracket of the few years surrounding 1979, mm-hmm. has a unique position to see way back to the old school. I, my grandfather wanted me to behave. I tried to be a good boy, you know, I really did. Mm-hmm. But it was, I, I still get into mischief. But I remember thinking these other kids at school, they couldn't, they wouldn't even be fit to be in a room with him. Yeah. They couldn't behave enough for him to be like just get get out of here so i saw that there was sort of a difference between what i was being told and what they were being told and then i started looking at the kids younger than them and i started to realize something was changing i realized this when i was like seven or eight so as i got older i saw this slide where kids just things are different now kids have leverage (laughs) they have all sorts of leverage on their their family, their parents, and parents have found a way to deal with this. They give kids options. We can either do this or we can do this. It kind of narrow the scope a little bit to make it easier on them so this kid isn't picking weird stuff out of nowhere to do and get not be able to do it and get upset over. But what it does is it unintentionally puts the kid in a position where they feel like they always have an option when something's on the table to do and there's there's they don't they need to paywall the options. <laughs> like adult, yeah. There's adult options and kid options, and they need to be separate. But you see a lot of kids feeling like they run the show. Yeah, so there's a uh, – it's kind of funny when you're saying this. I was thinking about that earlier. My wife and I went and got some, some breakfast when we were running errands this morning. And uh, my wife is a nursing student at VCU. Mm-hmm. And in her nursing cohort, most of the people are, are fairly young. She's working on now her second bachelor's degree, her BSN. Um, she already has – Fuck, I don't even know what they are anymore. Um, there's so many fucking acronyms, man. But uh, get tacked on there on the end. And uh, so we were sitting there, and she showed me this uh, this recording of a Skype video in which one of the students in her nursing cohort in a Zoom call, I think it was Zoom, yeah, it's Zoom, um, had apparently been shit-talking like the assistant dean 
of the nursing school to her face in a Zoom call. And, like, had been sending her emails, like, complaining about, like, random shit in the nursing school. So this is somebody who's been a nurse longer than, like, this person's been alive. Mm -hmm. And in this Zoom call, she tells her, well, I think the email you sent to me was very inappropriate. This is the kid talking to the director of of the nursing school at VCU, like, the assistant dean of all nursing. And you could tell you could tell the woman who was sitting there, she's just like taking it and you could tell she wanted to be like, You have no fucking clue. You like, don't know what, what you're doing. Right. You're giving yourself <laughs> stumbling blocks here for no reason. <laughs> so she finally just started muting her on Zoom. Yeah. She's like, I it's like it's like this, I'm just gonna do you a favor and I'm just gonna keep you from saying anything you were about to I'm say. I'm surprised that hasn't leaked. Well, it just happened. So, <laughs> evidently, uh, oh, there no. are there are some conversations being had. I'm sure. And well, people think this is the bottom line with that behavior is that people have witnessed other people be able to whip up some kind of moral high ground on right. a, on a blanket ghost accusation of some kind of wrongdoing, yeah. and then it puts them in the position where now they're on the pitcher's mound, and they're they're doling out what's for breakfast and. When you have no real leverage like that, it's comical. No, and I think, you know, all the other, like, professors, who, again, have all been in nursing for, like, 15-plus years, are all sitting there just watching this with, like, this same identical, like, smile, because they know where this shit's going. They know that somebody is about to figure out their place in the food chain. <laughs> it's, but it was crazy. It's just, like, the the mindset of some people, and I think it just comes from... Again, the idea that you're talking about, about kids being brought up where they feel like they can just say whatever they want to people with no repercussions. And it's just not true. It's not, I mean, like, I've worked for people in the private sector and in, and, and in government who I fucking hated them. I thought <laughs> you they can't were, really say anything about it. You're not allowed no, to. No, but I mean, I thought, you know, I've worked for people that I thought were morons. Um, I've worked for people, is one of the rules I have is I'm never going to work for anybody who's dumber than I am again. Um, because it's, it's hard ter- when you start like terrible fucking way to live, but it is, it, it, but that doesn't mean you can walk into that person's office and be like, fuck you. You're an idiot. Like uh, there is no, that's the thing you don't do. That's the <laughs> right? thing you're trying to avoid. Yeah. I don't know about in your line of work in the hotel business. We basically imagine the worst case scenario mm-hmm. that could happen. Sure. And then work backwards from there to prevent everything on that ra- that little rabbit hole down to whatever that is. We just hit everything that could possibly send you down that because it's, it's a yeah it's called hospitality critic, it's hard. Called critical thinking yeah <laughs> yes and there's oh boy i think people are still smart like my i have uh nieces nephews things like this uh they're smart they're smart in a way that doesn't make me worry about what they're gonna be like when they're adults mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they'll they'll fig- they'll figure it out i'm sure but um, some of the other, some of the other people, I don't know. I don't know. We're back to talking about people's kids again. There's a tyranny in come full circle, right? We just did. <laughs> There's a tyranny about sharing. Are we being too much like grasshoppers here? Is this is this conversation evolving naturally, or is it like a carousel that's out of control? I can't tell. Are you is, is, that, a, is that a question, or is that like a rhetorical statement? No. I, I could work as both, but I was asking, is it good? Are we doing good? No, you're fine. Um, no, I think it, you know, it's it's all well and good for people to 
you know, people always say, like, when I tell people, I'm like, yeah, my kids are never going to do this, or my kids are never going to do that. Oh, yeah, wait till you have kids. It's like, no, I mean, I think you can, you know, it's like, who is it? There's a there's a comedian that says that who, um, I think what he says, he had a heckler say something, like, was yelling at him about having kids, and, you know, he doesn't have kids, so he can't possibly understand, like, the stress of parenting. And <laughs> he goes, he goes, well, I've never flown a fucking helicopter. He goes, but if I looked up and I saw one on a tree, I could be like, oh, something went wrong here. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, it's weird. <laughs> I guess that would be a dead giveaway, right? I mean, it's like you know, <laughs> you just. Uh, I don't fucking know, man. Let's talk about aliens. We can talk about aliens. I was just gonna show you something. That's fine. I'm gonna tell you what I think about aliens while you're looking for that. No, I got it. I was when I was uh, see, and I used to put on a bandana, so I looked just like Johnny Lawrence with the hair sticking out. There's a little bit of Macaulay Culkin going on. Oh, there there's well. well. The funny thing about that is, no, very Macaulay Culkin-ish. I'll, I'll I'll accept that. I have a cousin named Bob. No, sweet guy. Uh, when he was, I think three or four, he won. And this is when Macaulay Culkin was in his heyday as a child. Yeah, he won a national lookalike contest, and I'm telling you, when he was a little boy, he was the spitting image. Uh, he looked exactly like him. And I remember being so jealous. I was like, oh, my God. He got he got a, a, like a an award mm-hmm. and and maybe like a video game system or something. Like that. I, that, that to me was nothing compared to the write-up in the paper and his picture in the paper. He did look just like. Were you just like, why can't I look like McCall? I, I looked more like McCall. I don't, think, I don't think that now, though. Yeah, it didn't age well. No, he's. Macaulay he's Culkin doing good is, now. He's been through some shit. Yeah, there's a few bad <laughs> pictures of him out there. But I right, shout shout outs to uh, at I think it's Incredible Culk on Twitter. I love that kid. I mean, we all when I was a kid, he was like he was like a, he's like a year younger than me. Uh huh. So when we were kids, we were all proud of him because he was in a blockbuster. We all loved him. Yeah, he's in a blockbuster movie. Was he in Dennis the Menace? Was that him or was that somebody else? Richie, I remember he did Richie Rich. I don't remember watching the movie. Richie Rich, Home Alone. He did My Girl. My Girl. There was uh, The Good Son, where he played some kind of creepy Damien Omen kind of kid. I don't think I'd ever seen it. I saw, the, I saw The Omen. I didn't see. He that. was in Michael Jackson's Black or White video. Was he really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. He says nothing ever happened with that. You know, nothing weird ever happened. I mean, I, I kind of believe a little column A, column, column A, column B on Mike. Yeah, he probably w- never did. There's a chance he was probably, you know, uh, castrati. Mm-hmm. They think that maybe they, you know, got, they, t- you know, t- just like in ancient times, took his testicles before his voice could change. Yeah. So he probably did have some, you know, look what he, you know, look what he did to his face. He's also pretty. So he probably had a little bit of that going on, but it sounds like I didn't watch the Leaving Neverland thing because everybody I heard that watched it, I just believed what they. It's almost like cop snuff videos at this mm-hmm. point. I'm like, you say a cop shot somebody, I believe you. I don't need to go watch it. I'm done yeah. watching. I won't watch that either. Yeah, I don't. I don't do any of those. People always fucking text me and send me videos and shit about that, and they're like, "Oh, what do you think about this?" I'm like, "I don't." You tell fun. me a cop behaved in a way that scared the shit out of you. Yeah, I believe you. I don't <sighs> like need to watch it. I wasn't there. You know, I don't I know believe what it happened. Maybe. And they're like, well, you know, do you think this was... I was like, I don't know. It's like, it, it all... It just... It's it's hard to... I told one of my friends I got kind of upset with him, and he... he um, 
I ended up apologizing because I didn't feel like it was, uh, I mean, I don't feel like I handled it as well as I probably could have, but I told him, I was, yeah. It's like, what is that noise? What's that sound? Um, but I just feel like you get, you get so tired of having the same fucking conversation about every single case and saying the same things over yeah. and over and over. And so finally, just, I was like, I don't want to fucking talk about any of this. Like, you know, it's, it's, people don't want to, they don't want to understand things. They don't want to have a conversation. They just want you to immediately affirm the conclusion they've already reached. And that goes to anything. That's not cop videos. That's, that's, that's every fucking thing that exists. I don't know if that's a new phenomenon or <coughs> something I noticed because I'm old enough to notice it, but yeah, that's awful. People just make up their minds and they just want you to either affirm what they already believe or they want you to just fuck off. Well, the conversations where you do sort of agree with them, even if you're just doing it to get along, yeah, there's a emptiness and vapidness coming from them because they didn't think up that idea themselves. And that makes I think that makes you a sad person when you're not. Well, and it's also that multiple things can be true at the same time. You know, caveats, nuances. Right. That's that's another thing that I'm glad that you brought up. It's like, yeah, like sometimes people, if you don't say you're either in team A or team B, and if you don't say the line from one or the other, right. it's confusing, and I guess you're against me. Well, that's cancel culture, man. That's, you know, you're, you're doing the dance, and you're, you know, I, I can't say putting your fist up because i think that actually has a symbolism now but you know that's the thing i mean you're you're committing yourself to the cause and if you don't sort of signal your support of whatever the underlying cause is you're you're sort of ostracized i don't like how it seems to come from it emanates from like mostly the internet yeah this is what we're mad about today i'm not saying there's Anything I see people protesting over, the root of it, I agree completely, and I love to see people protesting. I like I like the fact that people are more switched on now than they were 10 years ago. People are paying attention. They're at least acting like they got a clue. Yeah. They're, not, they're not super distracted anymore, which is, it serves to the, to, what do we want to call them? The... <laughs> social architects it serves to their disadvantage because now now people are chasing their own thoughts around instead of someone else's yeah and i think that you know people talk about protests and civil unrest and things like that and they're like well it makes people uncomfortable i'm like well good people maybe people should be a little uncomfortable with the idea that you know all of this shit is just sort of okay you know be it police shootings or um criminal justice reform or you know pedophile island or any of those things, you know, maybe people should be made to feel uncomfortable about that kind of stuff, particularly the people who keep doing it. Well, if you know, they know people will be uncomfortable with it, and it seems like, I'll say seems like, mm-hmm. they've been acclimating the public slowly to the depravity of this. Yeah. And it's sort of on pause right now. Everybody's looking at the election. Right. It's a bad. It's another one of these bad moments where a whole bunch of stuff can happen under the radar because everybody's looking over there. They do it all the time. Yeah. So pedophile island was a thing like three months ago, and now you hear no, nothing. No, it still is. Everybody that's still that's still got a semicolon next to it. People are that's not been finished. People don't consider it finished, and they're, wait, they're waiting. We're waiting to see what happens with Ghislaine Maxwell. I think some people feel that way. I think the American public is kind of over it. I think they've passed their their attention span for it. I d- okay, I've noticed it really trickling out 
into the far reaches, which means that people are aware of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Some people acknowledge it, but have a hard time acknowledging the people involved that are in their te- on their team. Right. But when you stop, that's the thing. But I mean, that's the that's when we get back to nuances. I mean, you again, multiple things being true. Like this person can, you know, they can represent things you believe and believe some things you believe. They can also be a shitbag. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like there's. You mean like it's one or the other? No, but it both can be true. You know, I mean, like this idea that, sure. you know, Bill Cosby, I remember growing up, like Bill Cosby was, you know, he was like the guy. And I mean, I used to listen to like his stand up when I was a kid and like, you know, Bill stuff Cosby like himself is a classic. Right. And then it comes out that he's also drugging and raping a bunch of people. And you're like, ah, that fucking sucks. This is back in the time <laughs> when there was like, there was a lot of people around. They're all partying. Mm-hmm. There's no Twitter. And there's no one to go to unless... You, they kept it quiet. The industry has a tendency to want to keep a lid on things. And I think what happened was they saw the hammer that was about to come down on on Jeffrey Epstein, and that, that definitely cracks the tip of that iceberg. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they offered up Weinstein, and they offered up Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Look at what these guys did. And what they did was reprehensible. I mean, ab- absolutely horrible behavior. I've heard firsthand from people who've met Kevin Spacey that he's inappropriate, he's unaware of how horribly creepy he is. Yeah. And that makes me it makes me look back at the movie Seven mm-hmm. and think that maybe he's a little bit more like that guy in the back of the car than than we thought. Yeah, maybe he's a little too good at it. Look, yeah. yeah. And that really is him because he's sinister. He's yeah. really well, all four witnesses against him are dead. They're all dead. All four of them. That that yeah. is astronomical. Shit happens, man. Oops. Yeah, that's too bad. I guess so. That they offered things, speeds those... things along. <laughs> <laughs> they no, offered. Uh, well, what it looked like at one point was he was signaling to the Queen of England through this cup that he had in the background of his shot, and we're going down a rabbit hole here. But fuck it, let's go. It looked like that. And there's not really much to say about it. He was doing a video, and the content seemed like it might have a double meaning. There was a cup in the background, and it seemed like kind of an SOS. Like, I'm going to tell on all of you unless you save me from what's about to happen is what it was seemed like. That's what I can't figure out, though. That's the one part of the equation that doesn't make any fucking sense. Why would sense. they do that? Well, no, that there's somebody in that, because it has to be a group, right? Like, the more I've thought about it, and I've talked to Jamie about it, and if there's a group of, like, the world elite or you know like as you call them like sort of the architectural group of individuals who are just so rich and so powerful that they congregate on this island to basically fuck kids well it's not the only place see that's what you got it's not that ain't it that's what they offered up that's what i was gonna say they 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 offered that up because everybody already knew about that one anyway and you don't know about the stuff that's going on elsewhere like they've moved Ever since stuff started getting blown up since the internet came around, they've been casually and slowly moving things around so that when you find out about what was going on in the 80s, like they've already moved it to somewhere else. Right. So kicking up Epstein Island, that prob- that place was probably beat. It was probably burnt, basically. Yeah. It probably had had its... They knew something was... You know what I mean? Yeah. And and they're just like, yeah, that's getting coughed up. Well, then you look at Epstein and it's like, you know, the question is going to be, well, how does somebody not at some point break ranks to kind of save their own ass and then they end up dying. Oh geez. Well, well rumor sorry, had it that there was suicide. <laughs> oh right, yeah. There well rumor had it that he had like thank you so much. Yeah. 
he had a up to like a hundred million dollar bounty on his head. There was there was money moving. That's that's moving people money. That that's gonna oh, make yeah. something happen. If you put that on the table, somebody's going to find a way. Well, if you get if you get killed in a fucking supermax like federal prison when it's you're not on uncommon. Su- when you're on suicide watch, that's not uncommon though. I feel like for high profile people, it used to be. I think that they had a, there was a problem in there and somebody exploited it because there was reports on on like one of the chans somebody said that he got pulled out of there that Epstein got pulled out of there and this whole thing was a hoax. They said that military pulled up and he was transferred. And mm-hmm. then if you looked at the uh cadaver him all purple poor bastard mm-hmm. uh that it wasn't him, it was somebody else. That was the rumor. And then the funny thing was they think it was uh, McAfee. He has a, you know, John McAfee. Mm -hmm. He has a YouTube channel. They're pretty sure it's him, like Rusty Shackelford, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) from King of the Hill. Yeah. They They were flying drones over Epstein's Island, and there was a man that was standing outside that looked very suspiciously gray haired and nonchalant standing around a golf cart talking to somebody working there. Huh. even uh, Luke Rudkowski from We Are Changed, I don't know if he went. I don't know how he got there. It might have been John McAfee, but he went. He went over there on the island. Uh-huh. I haven't watched the footage, but I believe it. I've met Luke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wanted to come. He was in London when I was stuck in London, and he wanted to do a thing. But my situation was uh, not such that I felt like super broadcasting what was going on because. They had already proven that they had... I didn't want to test the limits of their power at all. Yeah. Because they... Just the fingerprints that that left behind was, like, crazy. So I didn't I didn't go talk to Luke. Yeah. But, yeah, the... The number of people, the list of supposed people... I don't know if you've seen any of that floating around. Screenshots from different chans, like, who's on the list. Yeah. It's mind-blowing, but when you start looking at it, it's... All the all the all these people with the with the this mm-hmm. and the this that click. Yeah. <laughs> Who oh it's just artistic expression, but it just happens to have all the same horns, uh dark imagery, just too too many commonalities. Yeah. Uh there was you know the triangle? Like they, they, they say the FBI says that that's a pedophile logo. Mm-hmm. Like little concentric circle spiral that's in the shape of a triangle huh well you go back and you look and it's in all sorts of stuff that's sort of iffy and there's a whole bunch of it in a gwen stefani video i was like gwen and she's on the list too yeah the one that upset me the most was eminem but i had heard from a girl back a long time ago probably in my new york days is she said that she had been on an island with eminem or she and her friend went out there and said that there was no cell phones allowed, and they, you know, it's like what whatever goes on goes on, and it's just parties and stuff. But there's no cell phones allowed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't till partway through the Epstein Island thing that I put two and two together. I was like, that's probably exactly what she was talking about. Yeah, she was talking about exactly that. Some secluded place they went. I'm sure there's a million other places that they can go. Mm-hmm. There's lots of. We take a guy like Henry Kravis from Kohlberg, Kravis and Roberts. They're part of that's a uh, finance house for all intents and practice. I don't know what they call it, some kind of pra- practitioners of high finance. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Barbarians at the Gate is a book that was written uh, about the R.J.R. Reynolds Nabisco merger in the 80s mm-hmm. and the flurry of activity that went on socially and financially around that. And it was like the biggest leveraged buyout that ever happened. They were just going to pull money from here and there, purchase this company, pedal it off, take the profits, pay off the banks, and keep the rest. That's basically business, but that's what a leveraged buyout is. And it happens all the time now without us blinking an eye. But when that one happened, it was a big deal. Yeah. I actually met one of the fam- a member of one of the families that is involved. I met a Kohlberg. These are people whose money is up in the upper hundreds of millions of dollars, not billions. And the guy was not. I hate to slag him off. I don't want him to like have me Illuminati assassinated. But he's kind of a weird guy. Uh, very high profile in the city and knew exactly what the hell he was talking about. But. He was a he was a strange cat. So I've had dinner like a night out with some weird Illuminatist. <laughs> it was terrible. There are some weird people, man. And like you start to look at this stuff and you start to realize it's kind of everywhere. Because I mean, that thing about that list is like, you know, you've got everything from like movie stars to singers to like heads of state to. I mean, it's a lot of fucking people. I saw some weird things with that guy I'd never seen before. Stuff I thought existed but didn't know existed. I mm-hmm. saw. Uh, I know the ebb and flow of traffic in New York. We were up at West uh, 14th Street, up at the like northeast corner of uh, Union Square, crossing over to the W Hotel to pick up some... He was getting like polo tickets or something. Mm-hmm. And um, usually yeah, the cops will stop traffic, and then they'll wait a while, and they'll stop traffic again. Well, he stopped traffic, and I remember thinking, we're going to be standing here for a minute while he lets all these cars go. He took one look at the dude that I was standing next to, and I don't know how he knew. He just took a look at him and immediately stopped traffic and let him go. Yeah. Then when we were done there, we got into a black, we got a black cab, like you know the luxury sedan, and we got taken up to the the top of this building. And there, I think I told you about this earlier. The cigar, the yeah. humidor, and I saw famous people's names on there, and I smoked a really expensive cigar. And the guy was just, he didn't know how to fun. He was not. Yeah. He was being, uh, he was super being uppity and he, he was being weird. And I remember going to the bathroom and I'm way up in the air. It's at the top of this building and the, the window goes from the ceiling to the floor. So if somebody was like, flew a drone up there now, they could watch piss. Well, I remember it was like, I was so weirded out by the situation. It was just had this weird feelings. I was full of all kinds of like $100 a shot scotch and. Mm-hmm. I just like pressed my head against the glass like Ferris Bueller and like put my <laughs> put my arms <laughs> my arms back like we the whole situation weirded me out. We went home with like the second half of two uh, bottles of two hundred dollar wine and and like the guy dropped like a G. I told him people have this habit. They don't listen to me when I talk. You do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people don't, they half listen to me. So they hear me bring something up. So they just automatically assume that I'm for whatever I'm talking about. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've said, I'm sorry. I just said, I don't like that. Yeah. I said, I don't like it. So let's rewind the last 30 seconds of you yelling. <laughs> I said, I don't like strip clubs. I don't like strip clubs. I've dated a, I've dated a stripper. Yikes. I don't like strip clubs. It's weird to me. Strip clubs are weird. I would rather go on an uncomfortable date to a like a cheap dumpling restaurant in the middle of Chinatown, New York, than than yeah, that, we strip went to a, club. We went to a strip club it's one annoying. time when we were at conference, and 
it was just a really fucking weird, like uncomfortable, sad experience yeah. where you're just like, nobody's having fun at a fucking strip club. You get there and it's like the, um, it was just a bizarre, now, granted I was drunk when I got there <laughs> and then I continued getting progressively more drunk. Um, but it was just fucking weird, man. And like, there was just like, it was like, I was looking around and like, if I could, if you had like made me close my eyes and draw like all the people in a strip club, mm-hmm. like it would have just been the fucking looked crowd like that a, was there, man. Look like a Ralph Steadman. It was bad. It yeah. was, and there's this young guy as his birthday. He like just turned like 18, so they'll finally let him in or something. And he's like throwing money at these strippers. And I'm like, oh man, some of those girls clean up, dude. Oh, I fucking bet, man. They make more money than I do. Not that that's exactly. I work for a nonprofit, so it's not you know a high bar, but I expect they probably do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found it in Virginia. You, uh, they can't actually take anything off in a strip club. It's against the law. I know all about the Virginia and the right. DC laws. They, uh, so I was talking to this nice lady who was grinding on a couch, and uh, I was like, "So there's no amount of money I can give you that will result in me getting to see your boobs?" And she's like, "No." I was like, "Oh well, here's the money. <laughs> like, I've, you know, I've I've already gotten it for you. So there you go." But. It was weird, man. It was not fun. Like we we were drunk, and so it sounded like a good idea. And then we went there, and like, oh, this kind of sucks. It is. I mean, it just it, it, it staring at staring at women is a it's guy it's that's weird. guy shit. I'm not saying that women don't stare at women, but I don't think they stare at them the same way we do. We have a different no. guys. This is what I realized. This is the problem, and I think this is maybe the origin of guys' stupid rape crap I think that goes right. on. Is they like. This is a cell phone. I can use this to call somebody. You know, that's that's a that's a hatchet up on the wall. I can use that to cut down a little tree or defend myself. You can throw what are there. what are these tools around and guys look at women and they mm-hmm. just imagine them in a sexual situation and it it becomes something to utilize. Right. It becomes something to use as a tool. That's deeply rooted in the guy's brain, and there needs to be a a, a man at the break to pull that break yeah. way before you go down that rabbit hole. Because I think that's where those thoughts start. It's like this is this is the thing I want to do, and that's the tool I want to use sure. to do it with. And that's as far as they thought it out. And those those people should be shot. No, I think a lot of it comes back to I was watching uh, a really interesting presentation about pornography mm. and the effect of pornography on. Uh, developing brain and sexual desires of like teenagers Mm -hmm. Um, and it fucks with people in a real way especially kids who like are already in a weird fucking spot if you want to go if you want to look at the perfect example of that i've studied uh i've studied jeffrey dahmer extensively Mm -hmm. to understand the psychology of how you go from because his murders weren't fuck this guy yeah the murders were just sort of a means to an end to, to what right. was going on, but he somehow ended up merging his sexual development with his interest in dead things, dead yep. bodies, inanimate things, and it really got twisted into his... And it almost makes me wonder if there wasn't just something horrible hovering over Jeffrey kind of tw- like weaving this together for him, because it just... The other thing that was weird about him was he kept getting away with it. There's there were numerous times he could have been caught. Yeah. And it just 
in it and it just ended up in his development if you want to if you want to study what can go really wrong when you've got a cold environment at home uh an, an intelligent child with a father who can nurture science stuff and and you're kind of a quiet kid yeah stuff starts going wrong at home you're picking up roadkill off the side of the road you're also becoming an adult so you're having thoughts about other people and jeffrey was gay so he he was his attention was all focused on guys. He couldn't yeah. talk about that. How you if you can't even talk about who it is that you want to have sex with, how can you even bring up the topic that you've been thinking about people who are dead? Yeah. Or inanimate. But right. the the messed up thing with Jeffrey was he could probably have found this day and age, he could probably put an ad up somewhere. I'm looking for a completely... They're called subs, man. They're just called subs. You don't have yeah. to kill people over. You just find a sub, and you tell them that you just want them to be absolutely still. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point, it's going to ruin this for me if you move. That's all that Jeffrey had to say. Yeah. But nobody ever th- drew out his thought process at all enough for him to feel like he could explain that to somebody else or even articulate it. So he just killed motherfuckers, and that's what he did. Yeah, it was really interesting. The... um the thing about pornography, and I get a lot of people who, particularly my very libertarian friends who are, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's consenting adults and this and this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I understand that. I was like, but you have to, you have to look at it with kids. Like, kids don't, you know, a kid is not looking at pornography at like age 11, age 12, and, you know, exercising critical thinking about what's going on or the it's bizarre. Right. Or the fact that this isn't real, the fact that this is a production. You know, and that this is not real life, and that also it becomes almost like a. I mean, it activate it hits all the same dopamine receptors um, that drugs do in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, and so kids start to develop, and you know, kids' first sexual experiences are, are almost irreversibly tied to how they develop sexually from there. So, you know, it gets to the point where kids will they'll watch this stuff and watch this stuff and watch this stuff, and then it actually can cause relationship problems. It can cause inability to become sexually aroused by normal everyday sexual situations. And then it just becomes something where you're chasing that high, very much like a drug addiction. What about just, just even, even the ritual of turning your computer on? Maybe, maybe even just the sight of your computer becomes the only thing. Right. A lot of, they, I think if probably five years ago, they found out that like most late high school, college age kids were having sex with, porn going while they're you know playing while they're while they're doing that and it's like that's kind of i mean you're it's so weird again studying jeffrey Dahmer, i realize how that's the confusing part of puberty is your sexuality is somehow weaving itself into the way you think yeah and it's very jarring i don't care how like even if you're you know johnny quarterback there's going to be some awkward stuff in there somewhere, even if you're the guy. Yeah. It's going to be weird, and you're not going to get it, and it's going to upset you in a way that you can't get. You, you have to learn to handle the hormone, And then you get dumped with hormones. Like If you yeah. got dumped like that now, you probably would have a freak out. You would probably have some kind of a rage incident or a, or a depressive incident, but that's yeah. what your body's doing. Yeah, and you're developing, you're developing neural pathways and dopamine pathways that you don't even understand. Um, but they're they're developing, and your body's starting to realize. All right, if I do this, I get X amount of reaction. Yep. Um, and so, you know, subconsciously, you're developing these pathways, and 
it's crazy. And then, you know, when you talk about people having sex with porn on in the background, you know, it, it gets to the point, I was talking to a, a child psychiatrist about this, you know, it gets to the point where the, <laughs> the audiovisual stimulation is more compelling to the brain than the actual physical I could see that stimulation. Well, given the amount of material that's out there, you can find something well, that's in, like custom like tailored to you. It's in like 4K now. You know, it's like it's even. They even have 8K, dude. It's even more. You know, <laughs> and she was saying she's like it's better than reality. It is getting to the point where like it is more stimulating to your brain. Dude, I'm so horny right now. It's fucking crazy. This man. is nuts. You need a break. <laughs> you gotta like you go out Actually, back real quick. I, I, <laughs> In a minute, I will have to use the restroom. We can use that as a reset time, I guess. Yeah. What are we looking at here? Yeah, we're good. Um, but no, it's crazy, man. It's nuts. And then kids are getting so fucked up. You know, I kids don't, are... But see, like... They're getting exposed to all kinds of shit that, uh, like, they but, never would have before. Yeah. Um, Even 20 years ago. I mean, the advent of the internet and then cell phones and having basically limitless access to anything you could ever want to know or see or hear or see. or I mean, it just, it's... I'm going to open an OnlyFans. I have a pretty nice ass, actually, hey from man. running and stuff. This fucking American dream. Uh, dude, if I could pay some bills with, with shaking my ass <laughs> and for, like, exercising on something in front of a camera and being cute, I would do that in a second. These Instagram models, I ended up... I had followed a few, and then if a bunch of them will follow you if they see you're following another one trying to get you to follow theirs. It's a business, man. So, yeah, but I'm not... The only thing I'm doing is looking, but I went back through and I took all of them off. I even found Italian suicide girls. Do you know how hot that is? Italian suicide girls. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Holy shit. My God. That is nuts shit. Like, I found two... Italian chicks are hot to begin with, typically... And suicide girls are just, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't want to dress like that. But there's something about that twisted little darkness that's in there that makes them seem dangerous. Yeah. It's probably like these girls like all these felons. Like, he's on Suboxone and he's got three kids from three different baby mamas and there's girls lined up for this guy. I think it's the, uh, I think it's the, there's, because I used to work a domestic violence case when mm-hmm. I was a probation officer and... You met lots of Pookies and Ray Rays. Oh, lots of good times. Um, lots of really interesting folks. Um, but you know, I was trying to explain it to my dad one time. He's like, "Why don't these women just leave? Why do they?" And I was like, "Yeah, it doesn't work that way." Is like, he Breaking like, Bad? Yeah. Do you remember when Mike Armentrout had that conversation? Yeah. About how he took that guy into the desert and he decided not to kill him, and then he ended up killing the girl. Just the way he tells that story is amazing. That actor is amazing. Yeah. Just no, like that. No half measures, man. No, but it's uh, it's a process, man. It plays on people's insecurity. It plays on their psychological need to be taken care of and to be. And you know, you just—it's not a, you know, if if the first night you ever went on a date with somebody, they beat the shit out of you. Like you obviously wouldn't stay with them. But like, if it's a gradual, like almost like the frog boiling, mm-hmm. you know, mentality over time, where it's just you get into a combination of that and then also sunk cost fallacy. But people the on the internet would say, okay, groomer. Because <laughs> they were doing boomers and zoomers for a while, and then they are like, okay, groomer. Or the, uh, what is it they call them now, simps. Those are those are great. There's some crazy. I'm just saying, there's things. a lot, like, America has churned up a lot of pussies. Yeah? Like, I don't know, I still check myself. I, I feel like a pussy on some stuff, but I've handled some very difficult psychological 
we I think maybe we should get into some of the foreign travels in the next segment, but sure. Um, just the amount of psychological damage that I can take and still maintain it. Like I broke there for a second, Jane. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, when I came back from California, I went to, you know, I was in Europe and then I came back and I just, there was one thing that I hadn't done yet that I wanted to. I knew somebody who lived in Humboldt. Mm-hmm. I know they grow a lot of pot out there. Yeah. So I decided to go see if I couldn't learn about pot, see some pot, maybe work on a farm. And I ended up just getting sucked into this whole thing. And it, it just spit me out the other side, just an absolute mess. That's what happens when you don't eat and work a lot. Yeah. You end up, all the fat comes off your body, which is awesome. But my face also sunk in and my brain stopped working correctly. And we can go into some more of that. I ended up getting somebody, it's somebody drugged me for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was bad. And I came back, like, sort of at the end of it, I was angry and I, I, was, I was okay, but I was angry and I wasn't acting right. Jamie witnessed this. He was cool. He he did the best he could. I was just I was just pissed off. All my stuff had been lifted off me. All my cl- all my favorite clothes, my glasses. I couldn't. I didn't see for six months. Like it took me that long to get back on track, get glasses, and get everything like hammered away. I was like blur vision for months and months. They took my computer, my hard drive had everything on it. Everything I'd done. It's it's. I have to talk myself through it every day. Like that stuff's gone, man. <laughs> No, it's crazy, man. I mean, to have your... It's a weird, primal sort of sensation to have your shit taken. Like, and to just not be able to do anything about it. It's yep. fucking, like, it... it it's violating. Their, it is. It absolutely is. I've it, ter- returned so much property to people I've found. <laughs> I've found cell phones and and uh, jump drives. Like, I can't tell you how many un- ungrateful little spoiled UVA brats. I've been the first one up that day. Yeah, and just happened to walk by the bus stop and see the glint of their hard drive. I go in, there's always a readme file. Mm-hmm. You go in, you find me, call them. Oh, oh, I lost that. <laughs> You're like, you should be a. Come on, I'm taking time out of my day here, you little shit. Like, what are you, you go give it to them, and they just say, <laughs> you, you soggy bastard. And then you go give it to them, and they're just like. Show me some. Just act. Ha- just act happy for me for a second, because I could have just kept this, wiped it, and just had another, yeah. just another stick there. But I, I've been shown courtesy by people. I've yeah. been shown many discourtesies, and I try not to, you know, be that. But I've been shown a lot of courtesies. Like I've done a lot of really good stuff. I'll tell you, one of the best things you can do for your karma is pick up nails out of the road. Yeah. I bet in the course of me doing that, if I could I've, ever find I've, the motherfucker who left the nails <laughs> in the road, man. Every tire I've ever lost was to a goddamn nail. Yeah, and I just want to like find that person and just get like one, one like good switch. They should all be registered, and they have to have like a number. <laughs> you have to like get a magnifying glass, and you're like, oh my god, this is Ron's landscaping. <laughs> left nails everywhere. It's the worst, man. Like it's just such a. It's such a shitty thing because you just know if you toss a handful of nails in the fucking road, like on 29 or something, you know you were about to ruin. Right. So like that's the idea. Is like people's fucking days. I used to be a dick about it too. Like I'd, I'd be in Manhattan and I'd be the only, cause there's, you know, it's the city. There's like right. cabs and stuff. There's also people there working on stuff. Like there's just as much of an opportunity, if not more, for nails to be in the road. Yeah. I can remember a couple of times walking across a, 
uh, in a crosswalk where there's a whole lot of like you almost have an audience of people watching. You. There's a lot of people lined up there at the light. Mm-hmm. I'll bend down and pick up the nail, and I'll just like hold it up. Like you look, look what I just saved you from, <laughs> you <laughs> bastards. You're in cars that I'm walking. Even my hands feel dirty just from being out in this nasty air. Got your back. Thanks a lot. Just kind of like, aha, I'm better than you. <laughs> I have to show you this fucking video really quick. All right, after that, I'm going to go to the bathroom and we'll hit the speaking reset button. Of, speaking of nails and hammers and shit. So somebody sent this to me. One of my people on Twitter is uh, it's a video of like fucking Antifa kids out in the woods making home videos. It's, it's fucking incredible. Just, just the premise. I think my I the think premise alone sounds good. I think my comment was that like my fucking cat has more testosterone than this entire group combined. All right, oh, I've seen go. this. Have you? Yeah. I'm gonna watch it anyway because it ahead. fucking <laughs> makes me. I like I like the uh, <laughs> I like the, this is like a Hyatt's Rupert episode but live. We're just, we're gonna do commentary on this. I'm gonna get copy striked by the fucking t-shirt brigade here. I can't really hear him. All right, so st- I got to back it up for just a <laughs> Who's the guy breaking the fucking sticks? Please right, he, and that is the most aggressive <laughs> stick breaking since fifth grade. I'm so scared. Like, look, he's just... He can't get the last one. He's got to break it on his stomach. I don't think I've ever seen that many hammers in one place. <laughs> yeah, even time. even on a job site, they're usually spread out. That's a, that's a concentration of hammers right there. This guy back here didn't have any props. They were just like, "What are you gonna do?" He's like, "I'm just gonna fucking dance around, man." I'm just, and this it's just being shirtless as a personality, apparently. Just explore the space. Hammer. Who the fuck is this guy? Wait till they pan back over. This guy over here. Who the fuck right, is that? Right now, well he. He's like their handler or something. <laughs> the video was probably his idea. I didn't know. What is that? Honest. It's a television, but he's so, like, yeah, he just starts hammering time, the shit out of it. The first time I saw this, I, I didn't even fucking see the TV <laughs> until he started Well, when he it. hits it, it turns white because the insides are exposed and you can't really tell what the heck happens until it flips over. Wow. <laughs> this is like... The Antifa discount version of Bane. <laughs> yeah, and then just the, the guy was going, like, I don't know. TVs are fragile. Break something that's hard to break. What the fuck? That's just like, how do you... You gotta. You can't discount boredom. But you know what I loved about that fucking video? Was that uh, it's like something me and my friends would have fucking made. I think anybody can, but the weird thing is, it's it's like it's like stumbling onto a tribe of juggalos by accident, right? But there's a little bit of that in all of us. Is imagine it like just, imagine you're just walking down the fucking street, and you're walking through the woods, and you see guys that are shooting this fist. Like, oh, excuse, excuse me, guys, like, carry on. Well, it's the same as when I walked into that McDonald's where the guy was washing, washing a ferret in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you washing a ferret in this like, thing? What the fuck is this? Some juggalo shit? What, woot, is, woot. what is going on? Or the guy had the the guy was annoyed that you were interrupting him. Yeah, like, he was. He worked like there, were, but he told me he worked there, and I don't like remember if he had asshole. a uniform on. But like, 
I remember thinking, like, I wouldn't tell if I was in a McDonald's that I worked. Like, I would at least go to a different McDonald's to watch the ferret. Well, the really concerning thing is, you know, it's not the first time. You didn't catch him on the virgin ferret washing. That's he seemed a, really comfortable with it. Right. <laughs> it's been done before. That's true, though. That really <laughs> happened. It was like a white ferret. And he's yeah. just like kind of... And it, it seemed to be enjoying itself for the most part. But I made him get out of the way to wash my hands. I'm not walking out of there because you're washing some sort of like long rodent in the... <laughs> In the sink, you jackass. Get out of my way. Ferrets are not like a waterborne animal either. Like, no. you don't think of like ferrets swimming. You ever see a baby otter? Oh, or like yeah. a tiny little weasel? Yeah. People keep, they're so cute. They're so awesome. But ferrets stink like dank. Yeah. They got the dankness. They're disgusting. Well, don't, they to, don't they have to like surgically be like descented? Isn't you that, can is get that them like that, but not every ferret owner is going to go through that rigmarole. Yeah. One of my friends had a ferret and. I love her to death, but her fucking apartment smelled like shit all That's the time. Awful! It's like worse than a pet store. It was bad. It's concentrated it pet like, store smell. Right? It smelled like <laughs> it's exactly what it was. It was like walking into. Did you ever go to Pet Form when it was still here? I didn't grow. Up, I didn't grow up over here. Yeah, I got you. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it doesn't require a lot of explanation. It was a pet store. <laughs> I'm still a little queasy. It's great though. It was a nice uh, chocolatey. Uh, whiskey. It's <laughs> a good transition. Puke. It was nice. Oh, did we start? Yeah. No, it's it's been rolling the whole time. When since when? Uh, since I started it. You got me throwing up. No, it's pointed this direction. Right, but did you get the audio? You probably got the audio of that. Yeah, I think so. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> you should like stick that in here. So let's let's address mental health issues here. I'm a big proponent of getting rid of the stigma of um, mental health. It's just like any the brain's just like any other organ. If it if it misfires, it, it's not you know your liver misfires, it hurts, turns mm-hmm. your skin yellow, you know stuff. There's symptoms, but the symptoms of that particular organ. Misfiring, it's it can it, it can manifest itself in so many strange ways that I don't think anybody's immune to it. I think everybody's got something. Sure. They got something they do or some something that's no one's really normal. It makes me wonder who are we comparing the <laughs> the DSM five? Yeah, who are we? You know, what Superman doesn't fall under one of those categories? Some somewhere somehow, like even non-specific mood disorder. No, I mean I think that's that's a good point. You know, you've got there's so many people, particularly on some sort of medication. Mm-hmm. You know that it's. Um, you know, everybody's got, everybody's got something going on, you know, whether it's, um, you know, something that kind of flares up and they just kind of write it off or it's an ongoing condition that's, you know, tolerable enough to where it doesn't, you know, require medical attention or, or they haven't ever sought out medical attention, I guess, you know, it's never been inconvenient enough or, you know, blown up, but no man, the fucking brain is a fucked up thing. So I was going to say. We took a break, went outside, got some fresh air, came back inside, and just uh, first felt like I needed water, but when you have a serious panic attack, you never know Yeah, it's coming, and it could come, like, I'm com- I'm comfortable here, I feel comfortable around you, there's no problems. My wife gets panic attacks sometimes. Yeah, and this was just, you know, I, I, I got sweaty, and it took me a second, okay, all right. This is a panic attack, so I just try to do a couple of mental things I've learned to try to pull myself back out of it. One thing you can do, you can 
you can bite a lemon. Really? It sinks you, puts you right back into your body. I don't carry a lemon. I'm not Mitch Hedberg. I don't have any fucking lemons either. Sorry. I will reach in my pocket and I will pull out a lime. I wanted to talk like Mitch at least once during the <laughs> podcast. I declared some sometime last like couple of weeks. I declared uh, it National Talk Like Mitch Hedberg Day, which is fun to do. Uh huh. If you know how, you just have to watch him a lot and just sort of pick up on it. <laughs> a, poor guy. He had problems too. He liked to speedball. He liked to do uh, coke and heroin. At the we'll same get, time, we'll hear Robin Williams. That was one. He, he, I would I would categorize him as stand up slash actor hero for yeah. me. Yeah, no, Robin Williams, fucking incredible. You could do being. both. I get to uh, actually meet him when we went wow. to a show. It was not actually all that long before he died. Actually, he did a um, it's like a small stand up show with a co host. I can't remember who the co host was, but um, it was down in Richmond. I think, really? and uh, my ex and I went, um, and it was just weird. It was weird to like. I don't know. You can hear. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, you'll have amplified hearing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'll get that door. Actually, hang on for just a second. That's part of the reason I. In the meantime, I'll just chew. There you go. Real loud into the mic. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. No, this is good pimento cheese, but. I can still hear you, but that's better. I did a horrible job covering for you just then. All I did was eat. That's fine. It's it, it's kind of you just got to roll with it. No, it um, it was weird to meet somebody like that in person mm-hmm. that you have only ever thought of as being like this larger than life like sort of icon. You know, it's like there's no way to like to really. I don't know, have your expectations met, I guess? Like, because you just, you end up creating this this sort of persona for these people, and then they're just fucking people. You're shorter than I thought he'd be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my first thought. That was the holy fuck, it's well, you're a really size, really normal-sized person. Right, you know, it's like when you you meet this person who, like, you've been listening to since you were a child, and then... You're like, oh, yeah, you're not as tall as I thought you'd be. You know, that's something I noticed about him that doesn't get talked about. There was a special he did. I want to say it was in New York. One of those ones, late 90s, maybe early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And he's on he's on stage, and I can't remember how the stage was decked out, but the, on the table next to him, there are like 28 bottles of water. Mm-hmm. But they're all different sizes, different makes, different ones. He only goes back to one. Mm-hmm. And I figured, I figured it out. I'm 98% sure that the water he was going back to was absolutely full of cocaine. Because it, it dissolves in water. You can't see it at all. Yeah. It's sol- If you've got pure shit, it's completely soluble. It dis- it- doing cocaine in Florida is really bad. Because if you leave it sitting... If you're doing it outside, if you're on a deck or something, or if you're so- in a tent or something like that you're not if it has if it's it it will liquefy in not long it will yeah. become liquid sitting there by itself you mm-hmm. have to, you'd have to take it back aside and like put it in the oven or something yeah but i'm 
100% sure after watching him and considering it how he was going back to that one bottle and he was taking these tiny little sips out of it. He was not hitting it hard, but he had, it was, it was, he could feel every sip. Yeah. And he was, he knows, he knows how much fuel he has to keep in there to not, not go over the edge to the point of sweating profusely and all that, but, to, but enough so that he's, he can he could feel that edge kind of coming like he's catching the edge over and over again. It's like wow, that's drug that's drug addiction right there. He's got it down to a science. Yeah, and I'm sure that's I'm pretty sure that's what it was because he was he was he was animated by more than himself. Yeah, he was kind of this like it's uh, very strange. Like personality. Did you speak to him back and forth? Do you get a little little dialogue there? Mostly just got to say hi. Mm-hmm. You know I, I mean? like it's, that with the chili peppers. It's kind of like in and out, you know. Um, but it was, it was weird, man. You know, and it was it was weird to, you because know, you hear his voice, but you don't associate that with a person. You see this person That's, talking to you. You're like, uh-huh. fuck. He sounds like Robin Williams. <laughs> it is. It's him. It's the guy. <laughs> My brother had an interesting thing happen to him. Uh, we both have worked at Culpeper Airport mm-hmm. in Virginia, uh, fueling aircraft, things of this nature. Uh, he was he was doing it after I'd left there, and I think he was there by himself. It's not uncommon, depending mm-hmm. on what kind of day it is, but he was there by himself, and this heli- pretty big, I guess, big helicopter landed. Mm-hmm. And it was just him and this guy there at the airport. There might have been a mechanic working in the garage or something, but no, nobody out in the general area. Yeah. And so he's the guy, you know, guy's out kind of mulling around. You just, you don't bug them. They, yeah. If they need fuel, they'll kind of let you on the, know on the radio, even though that, I don't know if they're supposed to do that. But there's a cat. Oh, yeah, she'll jump up. That's cool. Yeah. Just... Stay out of my whiskey. She, uh... Anyway, so he, my my brother said he walked by this guy outside, and it wasn't how he looked, but it was how he sounded. Uh huh. He, oh my god! And he turned. He like after the guy got off his phone call, he turned around and just walked up to him and said, "Are you?" This is how I remember the story. He said, "Are you?" And the guy just shook his head. He's like, "Yep, that's mm-hmm. me." That was Harrison Ford. Oh wow. So he got to hang out with Harrison Ford, no one around to bug to bug him. Yeah. And my brother's a pilot, so they were talking pilot stuff. And he yeah. took him out to his helicopter and showed him the things and hung out with him. And he got he, you know he had this experience with Harrison Ford. And from what I understand, it's not easy to get a Harrison Ford autograph. He's not exactly the most yeah outgoing guy other than being in movies. And he's got his autograph and the paper wrote him up. And I was so jealous that like, you met. Yeah, Han Solo. You met yeah. Indiana Jones. Like, oh my god! And it <laughs> could have been me. And then, like, I guess he flew the helicopter back over because he lives in the Midwest somewhere, and he's also a volunteer helicopter pilot, or he was for his local police department or rescue or whatever. And yeah. he got to he went to pluck some lady off of somewhere, and she got into the helicopter and uh she threw up in his Indiana Jones one of his Indiana Jones hats. <laughs> so we'll bring it back around full circle. I totally threw up in the trash can. Maybe we could cue that up now. That's fine. Just throw it up there. It'll uh No, I mean it happens, man. I mean, that's that's the thing to do, like just let it go. It sucks. It sucks. Mental health and the things that can it, it is it, it's not anything that's super preventable unless I want to be no, on I Xanax think, uh, all the time or something crazy, but that doesn't even help, I don't think. I think Jamie was well 
on his way to throwing up in the trash can. Amy just took him home before he did. It's better to just get it over with. (laughs) I got one friend I can think of. I've seen him throw up way more. I've seen him throw up so much. I think I've seen him throw up as much as I've seen me throw up. Maybe more. Because it's just like if something doesn't sit in his stomach, Mm -hmm. he'll just pull the trigger. He's just like, this is out of here. Send it. Send it. Just pull it. (laughs) I have... uh... I used to I used to go out and drink a lot uh, after my ex and I split up. There was a period of mm. time where I was I mm. was out at bars and clubs and shit like that, mm-hmm. and I would drink a lot and to excess. Yeah, yeah, I was intoxicated, <laughs> and um, I threw up in so many bathrooms, man. Mm-hmm. And it was just like it just got to become sort of a a portion of doing business. You know, you just go and you puke and then you rally, and because you know now you had room for a whole bunch more alcohol. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> when I puke, that's it. I could probably handle maybe a little more whiskey, but we'll see. Yeah. But now that that part's over with, but just like it wasn't, I knew it wasn't the M and M's or the whiskey or the Dr Pepper when I when I started pouring sweat like that. I was like, this is a panic attack. It's not. Yeah. I fought it a couple of times. You know, I straightened it out. It worked yeah. itself out. I was like, oh good, yeah, a couple of toots there, uh, straighten yeah. you out there, boss. You're good. Um. <laughs> we, had, we had a whole list of shit we wanted to talk about. It was a couple of things. We were going to do, we we're going to talk a little bit about my exploits overseas. Just kind of straighten things out because it, it, I said this in my live stream. The, other, the live streams, I delete them. If you mm-hmm. see, if you catch them, you catch them. If you don't, you don't. I like that because it makes it kind of like old school TV. Unless you got yeah. the VCR queued up to get this right at the right time, you missed it. Unless you catch it on a rerun, but good luck. Yeah. I like it like that. It's just like, I don't want you to be able to go back and see me like ranting when I'm pissed off about. Like I was bitching the other day about how some women date men or are married to men, and some women keep men as pets. Yeah. And I see a lot of these just, it's weak individuals, but they're just impervious to a woman's beauty or, like, this is one, I don't want to get too specific in case somebody I know is watching this and can piece this together, but, like, (laughs) there's this girl from Everybody Agrees, like, when we were kids, she was just... She just looked like one of the girls from TV. She's just beautiful. And, like, she's, what? She's got to be in her 40s now. Beautiful. Just still. Gorgeous girl. Yeah. And I think she's been married a couple times, something like that. And the guy she's with now has just got that rock in the soy face. Yeah. And he just seems like he's a good little boy. He does exactly what he's told. I'm not saying that a certain amount of that isn't necessary to get along in a relationship, but there's... There's not an, I don't, look, you're not putting me on your Facebook page, okay? I'm not, I'm not doing the smile, I'm not, I don't, if I'm in a relationship, I don't announce it, I don't put it up, it's not up for debate, I'm not going to get into an argument with this person and then go like, you know, gas them up on some, I love my significant other post on Facebook, that's my private business. Yeah. And the fact that people, the pictures of kids the pictures of the ha- the food the houses the this and the that the look what i stumbled into the yeah oh my ferrari blew a thing today and the guy had to come it's like <laughs> i know what this post is it's 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 an i have a ferrari post it's not right. about how you blew a gasket it's about how you, it's about how you have a ferrari yeah it's about how you are emulating your parents with your children it's about it's about no. this and that and it's just not interesting to me yeah i didn't uh i didn't do facebook for about two and a half somebody years. else made mine i um i completely <laughs> got rid of it for like two and a half years mm-hmm. and it was fantastic and then 
when I started uh, in the quarantine back in, I guess, like March. I was super fucking bored, and I was getting ready to start the podcast, and I was like, fuck it. I got to have a Facebook page for yeah. the podcast, and even then I was going to get rid of it not too long ago, but I was like, fuck. You know, I was looking at, like, the engagement metrics and stuff on the Facebook and, like, YouTube and stuff and, like, where the external views are coming from, and I was like, fuck. I treat Facebook like the hoe it is. I use it for what it's what it's good for, and then I try to... Like, I do spend a lot of time looking, but mine's been being built... My Facebook is built, has been built over the last however long I've had it, but it's 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 conspiracy people. It's people I know. Mm-hmm. It's porn. I've got porn stars on there, working girlfriends. I've got people who are in bands. That's a good kitty. She is. She's a good cat. But if you, the problem is if you pay attention to her, she'll never fucking go away. <laughs> Cats are... <laughs> Strange. Right. Down you go. Come on. <laughs> no, I don't want to go. Nah. Shout out to shout out to little T from uh, True Crime Loser. Fucked up, but you have to literally peel her Scott's off. Scott's like, cat. Toss her. There you go. She'll come up again. It's a beautiful creature. Yeah, I noticed she sort of <clears throat> sort of lingered for a little bit before, and then yeah, until oh, I'm getting snuggles she's now. Just how, about, just how about you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good though. I feel your clock. Oh, you're sweet. You're sweet, but I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't know how I'm gonna react to you. I could get. Su- I could get. I might be allergic to you, boo boo. Snickers, just just push her down. Just give her a little. So, nah, she, I think she got the idea. Yeah, she's like, I love. I lo- she does. I love her, but I don't know what's gonna happen. So now I got to keep my fingers away. From- I always have to pet the kitty, but some kitties are like atomic to me. She's got a. Uh, can't. She always like she knows when the camera's on. Hmm. You can't. Stop well, see, her. attention. It's your change. Our attention has changed. Now she wants to be a part of this little. Right. Whatever's going on here. All right. Uh, the cat looks really cool when she jumps. She just like sticks her chin out. Well, she knows. Oh no, She's... kitty. Hi. Well, hopefully, you're not allergic. <laughs> I liked that interaction. It was brief and it was very personal. That was good. That was like the time I was in Venice and a pigeon just had the balls to fly on my shoulder. Just, nah, now I'm going to sit here now. Yeah. There wasn't anybody else with a pigeon on their shoulder, just me. There's a, I don't know if I still have it. There's a selfie of me just making a face. The we'll talk, we can talk about, let's talk about some of that. Sure. So I wanted to clear the air. Some of what I have to disclaimer. Some of what Jamie Booth was talking about on the on the podcast he was on. Some of that was right. A lot of it was right. He really stuck up for me, and I appreciate that because the ability for someone to look at the situation and and realize what a raw deal I got is good. It means that he was paying attention enough to understand the mechanics under it were bad. No, and I think I I think you know I I read about the stuff that you sent me in the materials. I mean, I I promise you, I wouldn't talk about it on the on the channel, and I won't. But I think it was horseshit. I think what any, they did to me was totally. Yeah, I think anybody with half a half a fucking brainstem can take a look at that. And, I'm fun and realize it was a bit of a hit job, right? You know? It's a it, it was a. But go ahead. So yeah, the one thing I wanted to clear the air on is like everybody said the same thing, even like friends and well, I never got my family really to say much about it, but nobody that I know really can repeat back to me what it was i was doing even though right. i had a gofundme that had the what i was doing's name in the title uh so 
the stuff in Italy had nothing to do with running around at the Vatican and chasing pedophiles down. I don't know who's in the Vatican. You can't get in there. I don't have names of people. Anybody who's suspects probably been moved any somewhere else. And I got intelligence intelligence that said that they don't even they don't mess around there like that anymore. They moved to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. There's another city that's kind of known for being evil that they've sort of moved that activity to, or at least some of it, because it, it, it's too hot at the Vatican. They can't... So that wasn't why we were there. The Vatican has long since been in control, and this is as per... Uh, I was doing this. I was doing podcasts. Um, you know, I'm not even going to say his name, because he just gets on my nerves, but I was I was following. He was also... I think he ended up on the same radio station as me, but he had this guy on, this guy Kevin... Uh, he's from Romania, and he would do hunger strikes, and it had to do with depopulation, and he had studied, he has, and can tell you in graphic detail about, uh, Kevin Galilee is his name, uh, and he could tell you in graphic detail about the role that governments in the Vatican have played in depopulation methods. Some soft kill weaponry would be considered like plastics, mm-hmm. stuff in the food that's not good and it, there's a whole it unravels a whole argument about how we fed this many people for this long when you start talking about that but you can't deny that some of the stuff that's in some of the stuff is going to cause problems it has caused problems so the point being one possible route for the Vatican could be say abortion's okay and that changes the discourse in certain places that are heavily uh, Catholic and if it's okay, then they can say, they can, you know, the government can go, well, it's no, you know, this has changed and we can now accept this. So people can temper their own population. They get the opportunity to temper their own population instead of being targeted with wars and this and that and all these other things that, that go on that they do just to get us to crisscross paths in a bad way so that there's less of us. Mm-hmm. And that's always. It seems like, if you look at it from a certain way, that the Vatican's always been involved in that. And what we were doing was drawing attention to this man who could shrink down, and it's very unnerving to be around somebody who's not eating. It's There's something primal about it where you kind of, you almost turn into that Italian mother where you just are going to stuff food in their face. Yeah. Now, I never saw him eat. That doesn't mean he didn't sneak food on the side, but I never saw him eat, and he was rapidly shrinking. We had a deal with a photo place down the street that would take his picture once a week. He would file a report with the Sala Stampa, which is the Vatican post office. If you send the Pope a motorcycle that ends up at the Sala Stampa, they have to give it to him. Hmm. If I mean, you I send him if you send him a letter, it, it go you know, it goes up to him. Whether or not it's read by somebody else or him, he probably gets a lot of mail. Yeah, but I would imagine if so. you send it to him, it goes through the Salas Tampa. I think I'm saying that right, and and it ends up to him. So we all, I wrote him a cutesy little letter or whatever. And uh, but the main thing was they were getting pictures of this man who was shrinking, mm-hmm. and he was talking about what's going on, about what he's aware of it, and he was making some very just staunch, almost crazy demands, very forcefully. And my job was to we were going to do sort of a I was I thought I was there for documentary purposes. <laughs> We ended up pumping out a series of videos that we would do real quick, uh, all based on, there's a montage scene in the movie Seven, Mm -hmm. where they're studying about the seven deadly sins, Right, and it plays this, I can't remember, Beethoven, Mozart, something like, I can't remember, I listened to it a million times, 
they play that song and I just like the montage idea. So we, I ended up using that song for one of them. And then we started picking out other classical pieces. He would write, he would write and record on his own computer words that he had written. He would, he would say them. And then I would just take the shots we took all day and intersperse that with the music and, and his vocals and just like try, we had it after a while we had it down to kind of a, a routine we'd go we walk in like four or five miles a day we go shoot at different places we ended up going all over italy we went to pisa went to the beach mm-hmm. monte argentario i think it's called with my american accent went to a it's funny i found out it's like of twilight fame like they talk about this town in twilight because it's right. so it's called uh volterra which means v- like vaulted earth Okay. Volterra and it's it's this medieval town and it's oh buddy it's cool it's really cool and the streets are narrow it's up on a mount it's way up on a mountain and you, you get this incredible view of a valley and Tuscany is just a ama- uh Italy if if I go to heaven when I die I want it to be just it just give me give just me Italy. the give me Italy just give me Italy as it <laughs> is now I'm fine with it I'll just be I'll be happy there it it was incredible then go to Venice unbelievable it doesn't even feel real it feels like you're on a movie set it does it it's it's if you could subtract some of the tourists and people who are being very touristy yeah that's part sucks those those people really ruin it the ones that are living life in their viewfinder yeah i had to limit i took a lot of pictures i had to limit i i I was very cognizant of the fact like you're here now get out of this little three inch square on your camera and watch what's going on look at it yeah i used to do a lot of photography and uh i stopped doing it for that mm-hmm. reason largely because i realized that i was taking a lot of pictures and they were great pictures i was i was pretty good at it you know for what i did and you know, I wasn't making any money doing it or anything but like i was getting really good pictures and i would show them to people you know like when i get back and they'd be like oh that looks awesome and i'd be like yeah i don't fucking remember anything about being there Why? like i took all just these, be hammered or? I t- no i took all these pictures I but was- like I was just—it's almost like it was. Oh right, I like see what job, you're saying. Yeah, you know, like I was just there to get the shot, and then, but like I don't remember—I don't have the experience mm-hmm. of having really like been present, you know, there. I think during those moments, you're thinking about the next shot. You're right. not being present, which right. is—it's not wrong, but it definitely ruins it. It can if you if you don't have that balance, it can it can fuck it up. I think you know what you were talking about with with Venice and people being touristy too. Is you know it's it's almost like. What we were talking about with Robin Williams, like it's like when you, when you actually are physically at this place that you have seen in movies, you've seen in TV, you've seen. It's like it almost, it almost can't be real. Yeah, you know? I remember I was I, I dressed up to go there. I had all my good stuff in my suitcase, and I was looking all spiffy as I could get, like little little so little retro flair here and there, and just like I'm the guy catching. There's a you know there's gonna be a lady standing on her outside her door. Yeah, I'm catching the slack grin from her as she sees what's going on with me. That I'm just like taking it all in. You just like catch that slack grin. You know that they can see you seeing them. Yeah, but those people get invaded for most of the year. Like, yeah, they're fascinating. Venetians. There's only like fifty thousand of them that live there. And they're right. fascinating. They're they're losing like a person or two a day. They're saying they're COVID? saying no, 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 no. This is just has to do with people getting the hell out of there. It's a weird place. the The ocean washes in twice a day, mm-hmm. and they, that's how their that's how their septic system works. Is it just washes it out twice a day? Uh, the problem with that the buildings are brick, 
and when the salt, it's salt water. Mm-hmm. It's in a lagoon, but it's salt water. When it when the tide comes in, it goes out. It leaves salt deposits in the brick. Mm-hmm. The salt is crystalline. It starts to grow. It mm-hmm. chips at the brick. Yep. And this cycle is repeated constantly. So they end up having to like channel lock certain parts and draining it. And they go in and have to do the brickwork at the bottom, and then you reflate. It's just that place is falling apart. Like, yeah. And also, they say it's sinking. It's not. I don't know how they quantify that, but it's not exactly sinking. But it's getting worse with the flooding, yeah. especially the main the main area, like the cent the focal point is uh, St. Mark's Square. We would say, mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's pictures of people standing over there, and it's the water's waist deep, mm-hmm. may, maybe almost more than that. And I was in there when it was raining, and it got it got kind of deep. It was weird. It is very weird feel. It's very very nautical feel to the place. Yeah. Very otherworldly. But the the whole thing with the the abortion issue with the Pope. Several months after we left, there was an indication that some of what we had said had made it through the channels, through the Vatican, and through all those people and been discussed. You can pull this up. Excuse me, if you want to. It's two CNN articles. You can, we can refer to these later. I'm hoping you'll have me back because this is kind of fun. Yeah. So we could bring it up then or something, but like the Pope declared in late 2016, which is a few months after we'd been there, and it was after I'd been arrested in England, that there was a reversal of the viewpoint of the Vatican having to do with abortion. He basically said, cool, green lighted it. Really? That was yes, and that was part. That was part of one of our, our plan was to plant that seed and just kind of use use the video as a spectacle mm-hmm. to back up all the work this guy did, understanding all the stuff that that goes on behind the scenes and just sort of the fingerprints that they've left behind in society. It's ancient. I mean, it's all ancient stuff. <laughs> she just doesn't have any Sweet boundaries. Cat. Yeah, no, she's adorable. So that stood, and nobody paid any attention. Uh, problem. I, one problem I have with liberals, or at least the ones that I know, or just in general, is that nobody paid attention to this. Nobody jumped on it. It was a perfect opportunity to surf that surfboard around sure. and wreak havoc, and nobody picked it up and nobody ran with it, which is pretty much typical for when I get involved with something. It's always like, ah, come on. Yeah. I'm not bitching about it. but So that stood for a while. Same outlet, CNN again. 2018. The Pope says that having an abortion is akin to hiring a hitman, so he went back to the old narrative, and that just gives you an idea when a push goes through the Vatican, how many months it takes for some for it to get to his mouth and he gets the okay to say it, that everybody's cool with that piece of doctrine. And then I guess the other, the other faction won control over what it is he's going to say. Because he doesn't just come out and say stuff. That's all talked about. That's all discussed. Right. There's all a whole thing behind it. If you ever saw The Young Pope, mm-hmm. did you see it show? Mm-mm. It was like a miniseries. It starred Jude Law, The Young Pope. It's an, it's like the unlikely thing that an American Pope gets is tapped. Is any fucking role that Jude Law hasn't played? Right. <laughs> he's brilliant. He, he's like a cigarette-smoking... <laughs> Pope that kind of rides the line a little bit, but it shows there's some real Chad moments there in his speeches and stuff about what he says about what the church is and this and that, and just yeah. it gives you a little history too. But 
The other thing is they it looks like they shot it in the Sistine Chapel. I've been in the Sistine Chapel. Mm-hmm. I've been in the Sistine Chapel on psilocybin mushrooms. <laughs> that that That's was probably an experience. I mean, I mean, while it was happening, I was aware of how absolutely epic it was, and I don't know. I've I've been through enough crap that I can I can spotlight some some of my happier moments that. That one was amazing because in my mind's eye, I could just sort of see Michelangelo yeah. fast-forwarding. like Because his graffiti's all over the wall in there. It's like, he's been here. This right. is, He was here. And it's not just paintings. They're frescoes, which I don't fully understand. But it's basically they got some kind of plaster. And before it sets or whatever, mm-hmm. you paint on it or in it or whatever. And then it just kind of locks it into place. But there was a lot of speculation for a long time that Michelangelo didn't paint with brilliant color or he wasn't into color when he painted the Sistine Chapel. And that was the thought for a long time. But what they really figured out was that it was just dingy because of all the candle smoke over hundreds of years on the wall, wax and car soot. Because cars had gotten, had been there and that cars had come and, you know, they're, probably got better with their emissions but at some point it was probably pretty nasty and what they ended up having to do was go through the basically they come up with a solution something that they could use to pull off that without messing at all with the painting chemically and basically it just ended up like like they did probably like a pile of cotton balls the size of this house yeah. <laughs> like they just wiped it all down and when they were done it is just the blues are just bluey blue blue and just the whole thing is just wow right yeah. in your right in your face well it's kind of like the uh the moths in britain during the industrial revolution in the 1920s moths moths yeah. so there was a it's a really cool phenomenon you'll have to you got to look it up at some time you'll get a kick out of it but uh the moths in britain actually changed during the Industrial Revolution, because the white moths would be killed by predators, by birds, and the moths that were dark and, like, soot-colored, because everything was covered in fucking soot, lived. And so, like, generations of moths died out, and, like, a certain species replaced them because they blended in more with the soot that was on fucking everything. That's so incredible. And so when you look at shit like that, you're like, holy fuck. It's just crazy, man. Nature's adaptive. So I have to ask because oh, go I've, ahead. Been, I've been dying to. Oh, go ahead. What compels you to just pack up, go across the fucking ocean, and run some of this shit down? Because lots of people look at this stuff and lots of people hear these stories, but you actually go and run this stuff down. What mm. is it about your drive or experience or whatever it is that makes you just get up and go well i think i mentioned earlier i have quite a bit of a wanderlust right there's some there's some a need to move geographically a lot like i I even like at a certain point it didn't matter what where i was if someone said they were going somewhere and they were coming back at a certain time and i could swing it yeah, I would, if I had enough money for like granola bars, I would just go just to let's go over. Let's go see what this is. Let's go see what's going over there. The other thing is, well, I mean, in that in that in this particular case, just you 
you can go down rabbit holes, but you don't have to go too deep with it to realize that certain points in the, I guess we'll call first world, it seems mm. like there are certain points of power. We can all agree on that. Sure. I would say Rome, D.C., and London for money, uh, military might, and then the church, which is, these are the, that's the three points. That's the triangulation of crossfire, basically. So, I mean, I've been giving a middle finger to D.C. since I was a kid, writing letters. We got some answers from, might have to get into that in a second, but yeah. Um, there's that, there's the, it's sort of a dare, and it's also just sort of a, I did run the whole thing like it was a military operation. I It was just, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then there was some of it that was just pragmatic. you just like, well, there's a whole bunch of shit that could happen with this, yeah. but you just got to be able to, you got to be willing to, because I knew something would happen. I just didn't know what form it would take. Yeah, no, I think if you, if you start, if you start pulling on strings, Somebody's gonna. You ever play Metal Gear Solid, the video game? Mm, uh, no. Now, well, the guards. There's and it's really old, like fucking PlayStation One game, right? And so, I know the name. So you get like, uh, if you alert one of the guards, they go. There's like a piece of music and a fucking exclamation point pops up above their head. I think it happens. You know, it's like in real life. Like, if you fuck with the right thing for long enough, somebody's gonna alert to it and start coming to look and see what's going on. Yeah. So it was just. It's kind of exciting. Well, then, first I was going to do the England thing because that came up, and it was just a real that we're still I'm still abiding by the gag order and not right. referring to it specifically. But we'll talk about the a, we'll talk about the Italian job, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I, the Italy thing came up. I just sort of jokingly asked if I could come along, and the guy said yeah, and so I just squeezed that in for a month and a half. You know, I just I was like, well, I'll just I'll just go to England later. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. So I, I go and I difficult. Kevin's a difficult guy to work for because he he aims for excellence and it makes him a little bit. He pushes hard and it he's t- a tough fella. It wasn't e- it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. It was not easy. I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a place where there's buildings so beautiful you want to cry. You, and there's people all around clutching each other on vacation and like kissing. And I'm just following this guy around, videotaping him and I'm half miserable. I'm lonely. That's part of it too. Just like I think a lot of bravery, especially it, a lot of bravery, comes from broken heartedness. I think is not so much bravery as it is just like a dare to take me out. So that, that that's really what drove it. It was just like, oh yeah, well I bet I can make make it through whatever it is that you throw at me. I bet I come back out the other side. Yeah, I think mentally it's a um, mentally it's a leap though. I mean to. To be like, it's one thing to talk, you know, about these things like with friends or like when you're getting beers or something. It's another to go and. Well, what do you want me to like, say? Oh, like, I could just the only think the only gap that I could bridge there and just really be blunt about it is I'm badass. Like, I can handle <laughs> pressure. I can handle crazy, crazy international political prisoner pressure. I, I mean, I, I was, you know, the job that I had at the hotel. I really loved it, but that that had come to an end. It had, it had changed hands, and there was some, I, I things just became full of friction and it's just time to go so i took some time off and i was really like and i even talked about this in court but not not that much i was super broken up over a over a breakup and it was it was just one of those really visceral things that i thought i had protected myself from and it just gutted my ass yeah it made me upset it was very upset to have to have something like that happen 
like have this crazy thing pops up in my life that was exciting and I was looking forward to seeing what it morphed into because she was younger than me. I knew she was going to mature into being a really cool girl and it just, I didn't make it through the rapids of that ride. Yeah. I just not, I wasn't it, but you know, we helped each other, I guess on our, on our way there, but it was, it was, uh, that had a huge influence on it. Just the, the, uh, the level of, well, I don't, I'm not focusing any attention on girls right now because that's just a no. So it just, it was just a combination of things. Like I had this asshole boss. I hate to talk about her like that. I feel sorry for her, but she treated me like shit. And I, I like took my time painstakingly proved my case and she was gone. That never happens. Mm Mm-hmm. But I was it, it made me want to garner support online from somewhere else. So when I finally did make my chess move that I had like a little a little leverage, a little like, well, I have all this video of her cussing me out and I never put it on my YouTube channel, even though I could probably get paid for that. So there's that. Yeah. And that that worked because it was just like she was just she's just another demanding person, but it, it didn't it wasn't. It wasn't for my benefit. It was just bad. It, it, it was it was bad. It was abusive, super abusive. So that kind of, it was just a combination of things. Like the universe was going, all right, we're pepping it back up. Like that got me going. And then one day I just made that, made my YouTube show. I had already been doing radio a lot and just, it, it went from there. And I've talked about a lot of stuff. I've said some stuff I thought would get me in trouble that nobody paid attention to. Had a great YouTube comment section. Like the people that like the show is so awesome. Thanks for the. My little chalupas. That's what. <laughs> that's what my fans are little chalupas. So, um, so how did you how did you decide to get into YouTube? Because I want. Well, I mean, got- I'm a child of the '80s, dude. Like all that, all that, all the cartoons and sitcoms and movies and stuff we watched. Like I absorb it a different way than other people. So it's almost like Hyatt's Rupert has a lot of clips in it. So it's like almost like a way of me dealing with everything that's in my brain, and you get to see in the way I edit it, how my head jumps around all over the place. And sometimes it just ends up funny. Yeah. But you've got that, you've got that kind of personality though, you know, where you see something and you know, I always, I always kind of seek those people out in life because they're far more entertaining to be around as people who like see something. They're like, Oh, you know, that's, and they have immediately something to fucking say about it. You know, like there's no delay. Like somebody's watching me and they're like, oh, look at this motherfucker, you know, like well, whatever. It sucks wanting to be funny when you're young and you don't have the wits and you just bomb. Like I've bombed in front of everybody <laughs> all the time. So I, <laughs> that doesn't scare me anymore. And then it helps to listen to other cats. Like I listen to, I've listened to a lot of Patrice O'Neill, yeah. Opie and Anthony stuff. Uh, yeah, we're talking about like Sam Kennison and all before. Bill Burr. I saw Bill Burr in Charlottesville. He actually, he and I actually had interaction from stage uh-huh and he called me ega beaver because i was like he was asking a question that i knew the answer to and i'm just stupid enough to try to answer it and i just like i ended up just shutting up because i was like i don't like where this is going <laughs> well, but that early. was that was there good go. louis ck like all all these yeah. all these guys you listen to them and God, they louis ck is a fucking genius like, he's also he's also well it sucks that like he's also depraved he look yeah it's the comedy that, like, comedy people have already straightened this out. Yeah, he's not as bad as a Harvey Weinstein or you've a Kevin a, Spacey. You've got a friend. I knew. I felt oh, okay. their climb up. <laughs> I'm just playing it cool. How you doing, Boo Boo? She says, "Oh, you know the noises." <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I got a tail on my head. So yeah the the whole the whole thing is just. 
when I was little, I was really shy. People would speak to me and be like, oh, right? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Those fucking cats just wrapping her tail around your face. I got flicked in the face just then. Anyway. Just, just give her a little. No, no, she's, oh, okay. she's all right. I could, all right. I could just lean back like that. And she'll yeah, there you go. go. All right. So, um. I have this naturally shy side, so I and it made me so awkward. Like I have this outgoingness, but this shyness. So I've always tried. I've been trying to edge the outgoingness past the shy part, and that's yeah. probably where the panic attacks come in. Is when I floor it too hard with the outgoingness, then then that shy side of me goes, "What about me?" Yeah, and so the the outgoing part of me is kind of covering for the shy part of me, so I can go be shy by myself and not have anybody bother me about it. There's something too, you know, when you were talking earlier, you're talking about people, you know, bombing in front of people and stuff like that. And <laughs> I think it, <clears throat> I think it fucking happens to everybody, honestly. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you talk about, like, you know, I was talking to somebody about YouTube and, and doing the podcast. And they're like, you know, do you ever get nervous or worry about things or, you know, worry about people like giving you shit in the comments or anything? And I was like, no, because the reality of it is, is that, like, hey, <laughs> get down. <laughs> She's terrible. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is, is you've got, the group of people who are just going to fucking make a YouTube channel and they're just going to do what they're going to do and what happens happens. And then you have the other like 98% of people that will sit there and talk shit, but they'll never fucking get on camera. Mm. Well, you know, it's like, why would you concern yourself with the 2% that don't have the balls to even try to do what you're doing? I do. What I did it's was the same like thing with music. You I know? played, I played a uh, keyboard warrior. Mm hmm. Oh, that's always tough when you get down in the. Well, no, no, it's like like you know you play keyboard warrior, but then I actually just took it off the keyboard into, in into public. They yeah. said they said they were going to kill me, so I walked over there like, okay, it was just messed up. Like the the origin, you have to check that out later. But like yeah. the origin video is about as much as I'll say what it is. But the origin video of it is like it's jaw dropping. I mean, it, it's it it creates a debate and it it it's uh. They've spent so much money shutting the narrative down on that one. Mm-hmm. They they have thrown every, like it's probably cost like my court case. I was told it probably cost close to a million dollars a day to prosecute me. I'll believe it. So like they change, spent, man. they're gonna they're yeah. gonna prosecute you with your own tax dollars. You will be paying for the well. No, it's different over there that you can possibly afford. It's different over there. Yeah, they okay. We have a national pastime. It's called baseball. Right. They have a national pastime. It's called court. <laughs> and if you don't have the tools to play, they yeah. are more than happy to provide them for you to come in and joust with them because it it's a spe- it's a scene, man. Yeah. It's a nightmare thinking about being in a British courtroom and all of a sudden there it is happening right in front of me. Yeah. I just couldn't get over the fact that they're wearing robes and wigs and those wigs look like they stink. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're like six, six or eight hundred bucks each. Did they're, you get? You should have gotten one. I don't think you so. Coming with your own, you wig. could probably buy one offline now. <laughs> you just like, no, no, it's just for litigators. That's just for the judge and for people. Yeah. You have when you get in trouble in England, they they you get a solicitor. Mm-hmm. He like takes the details of the case and distills it down into something that's. Then he taps a barrister. Mm-hmm. That's that's the guy that's allowed to argue in court. He wears the wig and the robe. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they don't, but most of the time they they're in that shit. And yeah. then when you're a, when you're on trial, you don't get to sit next to your lawyers. You don't get to have that OJ Simpson moment where you lean over and talk. They stick you in a box. Yeah, back here. Yeah, and you're not. It's like hashtag box life. What's up? Can I get a juice box or something in here? 
And the audio is all weird because there's so many microphones in the. I remember Hunter Thompson described it in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the way the microphones were picking up weird and it was making the speakers do weird stuff and he's tripping anyway. So it's all, it was, it was doing that. Like the, the sound was coming from the, it, it yeah. was too interactive. They just needed to either leave the mics on or off. They were just too, it was, it was disorienting and yeah, I mean, oh, and the weird thing was that you got the robes and the wigs and then their seal. Mm-hmm. Is a lion. Now a lion is a real thing, mm-hmm. but a unicorn's not. So there's like a lion, and then there's, a, there's robes, wigs, and then there's this big chiseled out of wood unicorn on the seal there. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is this is this is silly. This is very silly. Yeah, they told me what I was allowed to say and not allowed to say. That's pretty much a surefire yeah. way to shut me down. <laughs> I ar- I was told I argued brilliantly when I was on the stand. Like when mm-hmm. I came back to sit or when I went to talk to everybody that was on my side were like were basically like damn because it was all, I I I had a reason for everything that they were accusing me of and they just didn't want to see it like that but right. I have no history of violence I I mean I'm a guy yeah stuff's happened but I've never gone and hunted someone down and yelled at them and got into a fight and split their lip I'm not that guy I yeah. I'd rather, I'd much rather just find something that we can laugh about and whatever yeah so I didn't have a history of violence, but they just they wanted to paint me as they tried to get here. They call it um, committed over there. They call it section. They tra- I didn't didn't realize it, but the way that they were characterizing me when I went through the first set of court, the first court's magistrate court. Mm-hmm. If they can't settle it there. It goes up to crown court. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't get settled there, it goes to the high court. Mm-hmm. I appeared via video in the in the high court. Mm-hmm. It looks like Hogwarts in there. <laughs> and somebody I know is there, and they said that one of the old judges was looking at because I'm I'm there on the video screen. I'm an American. What's an American doing did in our say, prison? Did you say hi? It's Rupert. I know you, uh, you don't. <laughs> you don't say anything. It's, it's so you know. You think you want to joke like you want to joke like that, but the serious the seriousness of it prevents that and i wish i could have i wish i would have handled it a little it would have ended up the same anyway they were just they were using me to prove a point they were sending a message like stop talking about this thing and all it does is make people go well you did that to him anybody who's met me is like okay i get it lovable jackass whatever like i'm not gonna steal your silverware or yeah you know i'm not gonna deface your property if I have a problem with you, I'll roast you, or I'll, like, I don't know, I'll message you online and pester you. Facebook Live or something like that. I, you know, that got me in trouble once before. There was a grocery store that seemed to be backed by something. It's a long story, maybe maybe on another podcast, but, like... Yeah, I was going to say, you got, like, 10, 15 minutes left. What mm-hmm. do you want to cover? I'll give you the, the last I feel last like we've been, doing, we've been doing it. Um, I'll just say... Well, the one thing I want to say is all the stuff you see in the media now. I know that you're aware of this. Yeah. Uh, all the stuff you see in the media, I feel like they're ratcheting it up, like we were talking about earlier. I think they're acclimating the public to some more stuff that's going to happen. Like we're we're primed to. We want to know. They've got us asking the question: What happened to Epstein? And yeah. they've tried to keep it fresh. So when those dominoes fall, that that'll be the the thing. But I I think that. People are right to hold out hope. Hold out hope for that. I think that it's uh, it's gotten to the point where it's a it's a really America's in a really strange place right now, politically, socially. You know, it's 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 
there's so much of the of the tribalism and just the like the anger and resentment and um you, you know, have no idea how much fun it was to leave because the donald trump thing yeah. hadn't happened yet it had just started everybody was yelling and it just felt like like you were at thanksgiving and your whole family like we're practically yeah. about the food fight and you just got in your car that's exactly what i felt like in like only time I ever heard about anything going on in America was if I got on the computer or if somebody found out I was from America, they'd ask me about Donald Trump. But I, I could go two weeks without hearing his name or anything about American politics, and it was like it yeah, was because, like detox. It was so great. You know, contrary to popular belief here, the world doesn't actually revolve around us. <laughs> everybody is forced it's to pay. <laughs> it is, but everybody is sort of forced to pay attention to our our yeah. political process because I can't tell you jack about about australian politics or what goes on there i know a lot about english politics but it took me like 14 months to figure that out like try to figure out how that works but they can tell you all about ours because ours matters more i don't know i I do get that sort of like well it's a 24-hour news cycle here too i mean it's a never-ending bombardment of information i mean there there's it's just it's non-stop just stimulation it's like in New York. You know, when we were talking about New York earlier, I fucking loved Manhattan. It was super cool. I went there for a conference one year. I was there for like four days. Yeah. And thankfully, basically everything was paid for. So I got to do like touristy Manhattan. You know, like I got to go see the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island. It's awful. And, you know, That's we horrible. stayed right on Times Square. That and, sounds so bad. Um, <laughs> That's all. Dude, if you live in Manhattan, you just described every single place on the top of the list of oh, yeah. places to not go. No, but you know, when, <laughs> when you're there and somebody's paying for your your hotel room on Times Square, you're like, yeah, fuck it, I'll go do all that. That's fine, but during my Statue of Liberty time, yeah. I'm seeking out pizza. I'm going down into I'm going down the Lower East Side, or I'm going up to Washington Heights to nose around for some like super pizza. Yeah, like. You know, two three dollar slice. That's one thing I wish I could do. I don't even know if that if that experience kind of exists anymore right Shut. now with everything that's going on. But like, oh, I'm, what the pizza thing? Like, because of food? Yeah. So I'd love to go do the food thing. Like, I'd most love of those to, places, like most of the good places, like you you remember at the beginning of the Louis show, Louis, yeah. Louis. You know, he's walking around, he goes and gets a slice. I've gotten a slice in there probably thirty times. It's really? a, he's he's over in the village mm-hmm. in that opening sequence. And I, I've been in sat. I've sat in there with my buddy Brian, like a dozen times yeah yeah they, it, it still exists so they're they're doing that up there they're doing soft reopens too with people coming into the restaurants in new york city now it's a stimulation though man i remember when i walked like i was walking around the first day and just the fucking noise and the smells and the lights and the noise i yeah. mean it's just fucking everywhere mm-hmm. and then it's because you're in Midtown. Well, I got up to like I got up at like three <laughs> thirty in the morning to go take a piss, and I walk out to the window, which opens two times square, and there's yeah. fucking people everywhere. Yeah. It's like three thirty in the fucking morning. Well, that's funny because I tell you something else. Uh, that that is normal, what you just described. It, mm-hmm. it, there's certain parts of that city that definitely go to sleep. Yeah, but there's certain parts that have a tendency to have people mulling around. Yeah. I was with my buddy Brian. I was I had moved. He was living in the village. He was going to NYU. I was living down just south of him in Chinatown, like a mile away. Mm-hmm. In Chinatown, and I, of course, when I got up there, because I used to go visit him in his apartment. Now I got my own apartment down in Chinatown, so it was like awesome for us. Mm-hmm. One night it snowed a lot, and I had a I had a bike, and he had a bike, so I rode up to mm-hmm. and met him up at uh, West around west 4th street and we just started riding north, and we we went up to Union Square, and we're we're slipping and sliding in the in the snow and 
falling and laughing because it doesn't hurt. And we were just like, well, let's keep going. So we got up, you know, we got up in the 20s and the 30s. And I was just like, dude, we're almost two times square. So let's go. Mm-hmm. So we we get up there. We get to Times Square and kind of stand in one corner. And this is this is one of my favorite memories. There was I am legend level nobody. I mean, not really? anybody in a window, mm-hmm. not a cop, not a hooker, not a not a priest, not someone walking their dog, not somebody popping out. I I, I we stood there for ten minutes, and yeah. I was hoping somebody would pop up out of one of the side streets so we could be like, wow, like just share that moment with anybody. Yeah. A, a talking rat, I don't care. But nobody came. There wasn't. I wanted somebody, and they didn't. And we just stood there, and it was nothing. There was nothing to say. It was one of the most eerie. Cra- all lights are on. Everything's flashing like normal. Like there should be a couple thousand people standing there, like there always is. And there was not a soul, not a car, nobody. <laughs> like, it was like you couldn't. A movie company couldn't make that happen in real life for yeah. a couple mil. I don't think. It's like a fucking Scooby Doo episode where they walk up and like all the shit at the carnival is going, but there's nobody there. <laughs> it was yeah. It felt it felt like that, and probably the creepiest thing. I don't know why he said it like that, but he goes, "I think we should get out of here." Like like yeah. what we were doing was wrong, or right. maybe we were about to become a mark. <laughs> maybe he felt eyes on him or something, and was just like, "All right, let's let's get out of here." I was driving through uh, through a part of East Texas, and I went and I drove across to Texas to go hang out with one of my friends for a week, and. There are parts of Texas. Texas is so fucking big. Uh, there yeah. are parts of Texas where <laughs> I drove for like an hour and a half and didn't see another fucking human. Really? And not <laughs> a single person, not a car, not a person on the side of the road, not a house, nothing. That's scary. And you start to, it's like a Twilight Zone episode. You're like, fuck, am I the only person left in the world? <laughs> and you see a car and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, but it's weird, man. It's weird to not to not have that. And your brain is like, it's looking for shit. It's like, this isn't normal. There's supposed to be a lot of fucking people here. And you do. You start to feel like you're, like you've done something wrong. Like you're in a bad place. And that's, or, and I think that's like why going to your room when you're a little kid hurts so much because yeah. you're, you're now cut off from everything. Even right. though now if someone sends you to your room, you're like, cool, there's books and like the internet in there. Yeah. But no, it's, it's the connotation <laughs> of it too. It's like, you know, going to your room as a punishment is not fun. That's why I think hell you know, hell is ultimate separation from source. Yeah. Go to your room forever. Yeah. It's like you don't get to feel anybody. Like everybody's having a party and eating pimento cheese spread and all, you can just barely <laughs> smell it, but you're not even allowed to stand up and look at it. So my mom used to, uh, as a punishment, we're running out of time, but I'll, I'll give you this because mm-hmm. I think you'll enjoy it. And That's it's cool. relevant to what we're talking about. Um, my mom used to punish us by putting us to sleep. So we'd be like in a car trip or something. We'd be obnoxious and like we'd be acting out. And she would just say, wow, I think Alex is getting really tired. You know, and so then. Oh, just like plant the seed in your head? No. So she would just, nobody in the car, if you were asleep, nobody was allowed to talk to you. Nobody was allowed to interact with you. Nobody was allowed to like look at you or anything. (laughs) And so literally everyone would just fucking ignore you. Until you actually just fucking fell asleep because there was nothing else to do. Nobody would fucking interact with you. You'd be sitting there like, I'm not asleep. I'm not tired. And she'd be like, well, you know, he was tired earlier. He really needs the rest, you know. And Wow, that's a strange. It's fucked up, man. It's It's a weird way you have to deal with children. It's fucked up. It was, it was, nobody liked to be asleep. It was odd. A car ride? Yeah. Isn't that part of the deal? 
No, no, you know, when, it was, <laughs> when it was a punishment, man, you'd be like, have your brothers or like your friends or someone in the car, and oh, Alex is getting tired. And I think he's about to fall asleep. And everybody would like everybody who else was in on it fucking loved it because it's like being in on part of the joke. You had to ignore somebody. It's like it was like multi parts like shaming. And Isn't also, it funny how like the effort that has to go? You have to really, really right? use your willpower to not respond to that person because you're like just an, supposed to, so used to interacting. That's yeah, funny. It's, it's fucked. That's up. almost like a. That's almost like the game doorknob in a way. For, somehow, what is that? Oh come on! No, no. Uh, let's say you fart. I hear it. If you say safety, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. Game yeah, is yeah. over. Gotcha. I say doorknob. I can pummel you until you actually find a doorknob which sucks if people take the game really seriously <laughs> and you're like camping if they're a purist. and you're just getting hit every mm-hmm. once in a while yeah until they finally get back to the house and grab the doorknob like there you fi- you happy now <laughs> that's funny yeah people do that in that stupid finger game oh yeah, yeah. I love how that was a white supremacy thing for a while. Well, they, those kids got in trouble for it, but to them it means West Point. They actually sent the military down there to ask them what that was about because they got accused of it, and they were like, uh, it's West Point. Mm-hmm. And they, I'm sure the military was like, yeah, that's what we thought, but geez. There's also that the fucking game that people play where you, know, you put it down there and like if they see it. That's what I was like, talking right, about, yeah. this, that game. And uh, Well, <laughs> if you don't look directly at it and can get your finger in it, right. then you win, but... I. How much effort would you have to put into playing this game? I would just get new friends. I think that it's one of those <laughs> things where I, I love the idea that somebody because I I was in ROTC when I was in college. I was my original plan was going to the military before I became a cop. And, mm-hmm. um, I just love the because I I know the bureaucracy of of the rank structure and all that all their bullshit and you just know that high enough up the chain in a fucking boardroom somewhere there's some poor bastard explaining this game to fucking colonels and generals which game wait say it again the finger game you know they like, oh yeah they no win. somebody somebody who shouldn't or has no need to know about that has like, that information i'm re- sure they're reporting out they've got a fucking powerpoint they're sitting there and some fucking colonel who flew like f-15s and desert storms like what the fuck is this do you like, think we should close with these letters yeah do it man okay we'll just i'll just go so over what t- so what are the letters well, to, I, they are responses to letters that I had written to sitting members of Congress and to sitting presidents. So, you guys, anybody watching this won't really be able to see that much. But you can see that this says what it says the White House. Yeah. Uh, this is dated May 22, 1991. This is from the Bush Senior White House. She wrote them a letter. Yeah. And this is the this is their dog Millie in the presidential <laughs> tulips apparently. That's cool as shit. And then, I don't know if I'm... I'm trying to breeze through some of this, but... Okay, so this is from George Bush. Dear young friend, thank you for your message about the United States' efforts in the Persian Gulf region I had written about war. Mm -hmm. The unique cooperation of the international community allowed us to achieve our goal of liberating Kuwait, and we are grateful for their courteous and steadfast support. Currently, I'm pleased that the war ended so quickly... And that there were far fewer casualties than had been widely predicted. Operation Desert Storm success belongs to our brave troops. We're all tremendously proud of them, and I'm delighted that they are coming home to the heroes' welcome that they deserve. Many challenges remain. Da 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 da. Do do Internal strife in Iraq. Best wishes. Period. It's like best wishes. Sincerely, George Bush. That was one. That's cool. 
That one is the other. The other presidential one was one I wrote to Bill Clinton, and this one reads a little less like a form letter, and it also has sort of an anomaly on the uh, signature itself. The I is smudged, which leads me to think that, and and that the the backside of the B there also has some anomalies to it. It make it seem like it actually was signed with a a sharpie. Yeah, this was June second, nineteen ninety three. I would have been fourteen. This, I'm not sure what I wrote about. It might have been the Kennedy assassination because I know I sent out a few letters like that when I was young. Thank you for writing and sharing your concerns with me. As president, I'm working to create a better future for young people like you. If we work together, we can change America. We can improve our schools, provide affordable health care to everyone, and clean up our environment. I cannot make these changes myself. You can help by working hard in school, avoiding drugs, protecting the environment, and treating others with respect. I want young people to know the American dream is still possible. Sincerely, Bill Clinton. And that White House was smart because he had met JFK. Mm-hmm. They knew that a, if you meet a president, maybe you'll one day be president. So they, they put a cardboard back in there yeah. to preserve it. They, these two are a little bit... These were definitely written to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is from uh, Congressman Tom Bliley. I had written about marijuana. Mm-hmm. I won't read the whole thing, but it says... It says, on paper, legalizing drugs may bring down the crime rate, but in reality, it will only serve to increase the instances of drug use. None of this I agree with. Because selling, pushing, and using drugs would no longer be considered illegal statistically, fewer crimes will be committed each year because these crimes will no longer be counted as crimes. Following this philosophy, we would soon eliminate existing laws against theft and murder to bring the crime rate virtually to zero. Obviously. You and I know these tactics will not stop day-to-day use and distribution of drugs in our country. It will only encourage drug use as the government sends a signal that using drugs is all right. It's an inter- it's an interesting, crappy Republican way to look at it, but my 18-year-old brain was devastated by that. I was just like, are you kidding me? But he, I think he still is in office. I'd love to take this to his office and be like, dude, you missed the mark on that one hard. Yeah. Here's, th- this one's the most interesting. This is from George Allen, who was then in the U.S. House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. He was our governor here, and uh, I've met him several times, and I had written him definitely about the Kennedy assassination. This one's interesting. Thank you for your recent letter calling for the immediate release of all files on JFK's assassination. I agree with you that the mystery surrounding the John F. Kennedy assassination John F. Kennedy, I get this, assignation is frustrating. (laughs) However, in 1964, the Warren Commission was appointed to research the assignation and reported that they found no evidence of a foreign or domestic power being involved. Nevertheless, it is young people like you who ask questions to strive for the answers that will ultimately keep America as our forefathers envisioned it to be. I admire you for your quest, and I hope you are successful in finding the information that you believe to be true. Please feel free to contact me again if I can be of any assistance to you. George Allen. That one's actually signed by George Allen. But this is the funny thing. Mm-hmm. It says <clears throat> assassination. Mm-hmm. But then twice it says assignation. A-S-S-I-G. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Assignation. So I looked up what an assignation is. Mm-hmm. It is a secret meeting typically between two people and most likely lovers. Mm-hmm. This dovetails with one Kennedy assassination theory. Uh, we go about this in a, in a broader in another, in another podcast, but uh, 
the point he may have accidentally made or intentionally was elbowing me Mm -hmm. that John F. Kennedy was a womanizer. Mm -hmm. And he had a history of constantly needing uh, a steady stream of strange young women to cavort with and have sex with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Huge problem for Jackie. She did not like... She was aware of it. She didn't like it at all. It was pretty open in Washington that certain guys, their wives were going out with him. Cord Meyer, one of the... He worked in intelligence. John F. Kennedy was like just blatant, openly going out with this lady. So Mm -hmm. what... What that suggests is, regardless of Cuba, Russians, mob, uh, Illuminati, it none of that mattered for two reasons. John F. Kennedy ignored his security detail all the time, mm-hmm. and he would always get swallowed up by crowds of people, and they'd have a hard time pulling him back. He loved it. He loved that shit. Yeah. The other thing is, he couldn't keep it in his pants, and he pissed off everybody with... The ability to put together the apparatus to take out a president on a on a dude to dude level, not just yeah. I don't like your policies. Like you slept with his wife and his wife, and we and you tried to get rid of the CIA. We still have our fingers on buttons and money being moved around. Like I don't think you get it, bud. Yeah, and he and then you know at that point it just becomes well, can, is there a wider reason that we can do this? Is it does it serve us? And they're like, yes, Vietnam for one, mm-hmm. and so then it's just bye 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 Jack because not only did he challenge authority, but people really ignore what a coos hound he was. He just couldn't. It, it was it was almost debilitating. The joke was kind of on him. Uh, you could see he got fuller in the face. Mm-hmm. He had started to get put on uh, hydrocortisone shots, mm-hmm. which helped him out with his severe back pain. The reason he didn't duck in the limo was because he was cinched up in basically a girdle that held him straight and kept his back straight. Mm-hmm. So that's why he didn't duck when he got shot <clears throat> in the throat. He's just sitting there like this because he can't really, can't really move like that. Mm-hmm. So the joke's on him. He's got the looks. He's got the power. To have sex with as many beautiful women as the oh, but but your back doesn't work, does it, dude? So he, so I'm sure all of his, you know, can you imagine? I mean, can yeah. you imagine you climbing Mount Everest, you get to the top, and you just can't, you just can't, you just can't get there. It's just like, just it doesn't work. It just to a sex addict, that would just be awful. To yeah. like, you have the means, motive, opportunity, and the ability to do it, and your body won't cooperate. Just this can't is make just it awful. I'm sure it was kind of bad i'm sure it's kind of bad yeah wow so that was a lot there that's it man. all the letters and we're, stuff uh, yeah dude this is this has been great it's been fun thanks man. for letting me come into yeah. your podcast and party like a rock star and puke nah, all over the place it's fun man it's a it'll be a it'll be an ongoing story i think we should i think we should do this again <laughs> we should it was a lot of fun yeah it's cool yeah we kind of hit a kind of hit a stride there in the last like hour and a half so at uh, post post vomit, we were good to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, dude. We'll see. You. I'll see you next time. Yeah, man.